What do you think you're doing, Erica? It may be your mission, but this is the CIA's plane. It doesn't take off without my say-so. We need reliable intelligence, and we need it now. Uh, this scenario is precisely why the IMF exists. The IMF is Halloween, Alan. A bunch of grown men in rubber masks playing trick-or-treat. And if he had held on to the plutonium in Berlin, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And his team would be dead. Yes, they would. That's the job. And that's why I want one of my own men on the scene to appraise the situation. Agent Walker, special activities. His reputation precedes. You use a scalpel. I prefer a hammer. My man goes, or no one goes. Do you expect me to talk? Good evening, Mr. Bond. Mr. Bunn. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to review the best Mission Impossible film, Mission Impossible Fallout. As always, should you or any of your do you expect to talk team be caught or killed, the Secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This introduction will self-destruct in five seconds. Yes, welcome to episode 153 of Do You Expect to Talk. I'm your host, Becca, and as always, joined by my fellow agents, Chris and Dave. How are you doing? Good evening, folks. I'm doing fine, thanks. Uh, I mean, I do have uh, an opening gag, but unfortunately you can't see it because it's, you know, it's a, it's not visual experience and you can't see my CGI moustache. Ah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Becca was complaining her beads had worn out before. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine what we did with that. <laughs> The other image, I'm not going to tell listeners what I was thinking about off screen. It's alright, the image is all in our heads, it's fine. <laughs> Another mental image I had was uh, that scene in Red Wolf where Rimmer's got these worry beads and then by the end of it, it they're so small, you like ground them down and down and down and they're just literally the size of like 5p pieces. And like, so that's the, the other image I had. The episode Rimmer World, folks. That's what I made me think of anyway. So yes, we finally, sadly, come to the end well, the end, but not quite the end, we'll of our Mission Impossible review series. We were a bit gutted earlier. It, it started the thread that, that's on social media because we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later on, but we're going to do a commentary next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason we're going to do a commentary next week is we're just, I think we can't believe it's over already. It's not bad to let it go. It was like, oh God, we really like this. We're looking forward to what we're doing next, but this this has just been terrific and we've enjoyed it. Most of the shows have come out really well, and yeah, I was just like, "We done already." Oh, what about if we do a commentary? It's flown by, hasn't it? Really yeah, flown by. Yeah, I mean, I was toying with the idea: should we, should we maybe just do a commentary? You know, yeah. just to sort of sneak one in. Why not? Kind of thing. It was just felt. I think it just felt like, yeah, why not? Seems yeah. we enjoyed it. Oh, why not? Mm. That's probably more. Well, I'd say. Cool. <laughs> 
Before we get to that, tell us about this week's film, Becca. I just realised last week was the first week I've done it in this series. I've just done the cheesy Mission Impossible introduction and haven't done any of the usual. And then we've just sort of got carried away and chatted about other things. (laughs) I thought it was quite funny. I thought, oh, this is a bit unusual. Tonight we are reviewing Mission Impossible Fallout, starring Tom Cruise, Henry Cavill, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Angela Bassett, Vanessa Kirby, Eric Baradrin, Ving Rhyme, Sean Harris, Bloody Adifopi, and Wolf Blitzer. The score by Lorne Buff. I've got an interesting fun fact about him at the end of the show. Written and directed by my hero, Christopher McQuarrie, and released 2018. First Mission Impossible film with a returning director. Um, now, I did listen to all, all six hours of his Empire interviews um, ready for this show. Okay. He didn't commit to it publicly after the last film, but he already had ideas. So, for example, he'd gone into Rogue Nation expecting Lane to be a bigger character than he was. But just in the development process of that film, the whole Ilsa-Ethan relationship grew. And so she became very much the focus, and he was more the sort of cipher driving everyone's decision-making. Then, of course, he came to the decision to not kill him off. And so he suddenly thought, we can get him back. How do we get him back? And he had he hit on this idea of Ethan needs to break him out. He needs to break him out and sort of play a role in order to do it. And he said he went to Tom Cruise's trailer immediately because he had this idea. He got into he had it sort of of an evening, slept on it, came in the next morning, went straight to Ethan Ethan's uh, Tom's trailer, knocked on the door, let himself in. And he said, I've had this great idea for what we can do with Lane. And he said he spun around in his chair and without missing a beat said, I'm going to break him out, aren't I? <laughs> He's like, how do you know I've been thinking about it all night? <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. So just like how, how in tune these two are. Um, in terms of where that was originally going to go, he originally had a sort of darker idea for it that Ethan did have to almost go bad and stay that way for a while and kill people and that sort of thing. And of course, we get a hint of that in what he refers to as the what if scene, which we'll, we've had hints of throughout the series and we'll cover here. But as, yeah, the film developed now. Um, a bit of a myth around this film is that it should have been released a year earlier. Uh, it's people have sort of misremembered the timeline and believe that Tom Cruise breaking his ankle, which we'll talk about because it's in the film, uh, pushed it back a year. Now, in dialogue, it refers to the events of Rogue Nation being two years before, but no, they were filming this through, uh, I think they started April 2017, and in August he broke his ankle and they lost about, well, they were meant to lose eight weeks, but Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise was back on set within six. There's one scene in the film that's not him. There's a bit where he rolls down a roof and they used a double for that because his ankle was fragile. He wanted to do it, but they just said, nope, let's not risk it. What's the point? So it was always due to come out when it came out. But obviously they did have to shut down production for a few um, months or a few weeks uh, the cost to the insurance on this film was $80 million to do that because they had to keep the crew, so it meant they had to keep paying them during the sort of eight weeks or whatever it was that they were inactive. And um, it did lead to them talk, you know, reworking the film as they went along. He always said, he says on, this, uh, on these interviews, he said, they, they said something like, I think Chris Hewitt said to him, he said, I, I visited the set 
and he said you said to me i've got the beginning sorted i've got the ending sorted it's the bit in the middle and he said in response he said there's always a bit of a film you're not sure about he said with rogue nation i wasn't sure about the ending and he said if you go back to the usual suspects that really doesn't have a, a start and he said that's because i didn't really know how to start it um but he said that during this film he got a lot more less slavish to scripts you know a, an awful lot of it was written as they went along they had a, a fairly good idea but they were figuring it out as they went along so even more than last week there's an awful lot of sort of guerrilla filmmaking here but um we'll talk about it as we go through it uh any sort of opening thoughts from you guys yes um really enjoyed this film um yeah i think rewatching them again i kind of had it in my mindset that oh it would kind of go in like reverse order um sadly but it was like the previous two films kind of vying for that top spot Rewatching this film again tonight it is firmly in the number one spot of the series just i, I remember sort of see, obviously when it came out and being thought oh it's a little bit fun by numbers but kind of watching it again thinking oh, actually mm, that's different that's different i mean it's still obviously hugely influenced the series both series do feed into each other um but again, it's one of those films where like they're going to sell me a seat, but I'm only going to use the very tip, the very just the tip, the very edge of it. Phrasing. Chris, do you ever just use the tip? <laughs> I've only got the tip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just literally stood up the whole time. Um, yeah, no, it's really interesting to finally, really, um, finally reach the conclusion um, of this particular thread of the series. Um, fantastic character work here. amazing stunt work by Tom Cruise um, the man just does everything brilliantly and you know even with a broken ankle you know there's no stopping him the man is a machine um, fantastic 100% I'm running out of superlatives yeah well really. like it's amazing given like you know the, the chase scene in London the, the scene yes. where he actually smashed his ankle didn't break he, yeah. sma- he smashed Ow. his ankle like within the six weeks, he was like out running again, and that yeah. uh, there still scenes in that chase scene where he's like on like, on Tom, foot. you should be recovering. No, I'm going to run. That's fine. Yeah, so, so you kind of almost if you're looking out for you, you kind of see him like hobble a little bit or not running. Yeah, his, um... he's, he's trying not to wince, but the scene where he does it, he jumps across like a rooftop and just almost misses, and you can't immediately see how he's broken his ankle. But when you look in close, he he sort of hits the wall toes first and yeah. his, it bends back and just yeah you can kind of see how he does it but then it cuts to another shot where he climbs up onto the roof and runs off and that is him with a broken ankle it's shot at the same time there's two cameras set up yeah and macquarie said that was the producer in him kicking in he just said he he clearly thought immediately this is going to cost money to remount so i'll finish the shot yeah yeah i mean yeah yeah in his head he thought no, that's the shot. I need to finish it. Get out. You need to get out of scene and yeah, get in, get it done and get out again. Onto the next one. Mm. And he knew immediately as he's running off. He knows it's broken. He said that. He said yeah. the moment it connected, I'd broken it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I bet. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's worth listening to like any interview Macquarie does about it because you know when he's referring to Cruz, it's like it's absolute madman. Like here's this guy who's just smashed his fucking ankle doing a stunt and he walks up to him and is like sort of 
like, yeah, and his first words were like, "Did we get the shot?" <laughs> like, yeah, he doesn't worry about his broken ankle. Like, did we get it? Did we get it? <laughs> it was like, it was like, uh, yeah, yeah, we got it. Good because we're not coming back again. Because we're not going to do it again. I, I think it's, it's fair expensive. to say that as well as he's aging, um, there's a degree. It gets a degree more more impressive every time. You know, when he was doing it in Rogue Nation and you th- uh, not Rogue Nation, when he was doing it in Ghost Protocol and you were like, Christ, you're 48 filming this. Mm. That was impressive enough. But all this, he's now for like 56, you know, and it's he's just like, where does where does this end? And and there are various. Be doing it into uh, his 90s. Uh, <laughs> 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 I, that, you? I mean, like, how, how, I mean, how old was how, how old was Roger Moore when he was at his most like. <laughs> in his 90s. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at his most. Uh, oof. Off the, off the point, 11 to 12. I'm, I'm making I'm, I'm writing a series of articles for set the tape I don't tend to um, promote set the tape here but I'll mention it because I know people read it but set the tape.com um, I said back in March I think I said would you like me to do a, uh, a road to bond 25 I thought we'd have a name by now but even no. when we have a name, I've written so many of them I think it will just stay the road to bond 25 even when we got the title there's the title bond 25 um, so I just said, well, every, if I count from here and I count the extra bits I want to do, like becoming Bond, and I, I'll put that after Majesties, and I want to do Never Say Never Again, and I want to do Everything or Nothing. If I do all of those, if I start here, which was, I don't know, April or something, I can have one episode of Fortnite, and it will be just in time for the new film. And I've got, I'm now to not in terms of what's gone out to what's gone out we haven't even started the roger moore era yet but in terms of writing i'm up to octopussy um and famously that's a film i like i don't like sorry and i have given it a hard time as you'd expect i'm trying to be fair because it's for a general audience but you do have to bring to it what you bring to it and i don't like that film but it, we're, you know we're now at a point by that age where he is 55 during the film with that so about the same age as Tom Cruise and everything over walking pace he needs a stunt double now I don't expect everyone to be Tom Cruise but there is a point where you just go well, you can't even do this can you come on it's only a fucking fight can you do that bit um, Tom Cruise is uh, it's been a real selling point for the series I, I'm never that bothered about stunt because you know it's a stunt man they're trained to do it it's impressive action sequences but when you know it's him it adds something partly because he just doesn't know, need to do it partly because he's a bit too old and partly because you know that he's driving the process as well the fact that the stunts are so outlandish is him going I'd like to try this um, it comes about the spectacle, doesn't it, as well? The fact that he, you know he's he's doing it live, as it were, um, and yeah, the fact that they are so dangerous, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll do it." And it's like, what? If you replaced him with another actor who wasn't doing all of this, it would take something from the film. It really would. I mean, it's, it's part of the reason why we go to see these films now because you know he's going to do the stunts, you know, himself, um, and in camera, you know, he's not going to. Oh, I'll get my stuntman to do it. You know that he's going to be doing them one hundred percent. You know, That's part of the he, appeal. When he said, you know, um, when it's me on a bike, I shouldn't be wearing a helmet. You should be able to see it's me and all the rest of it. And it mm-hmm. adds something because you're watching it and just going, I can't believe he's doing this. Now, of course, if you can do a stunt in the safest possible way, like the bike isn't on full view, so you're on some sort of trailer or something, they'll do all that. But there are points in this film where all of that failed and he just had to free ride it. 
And, you know, we'll get to all of that. We've just referenced the Christopher McQuarrie interviews for Empire. If you go to the Empire podcast and search Mission Impossible, he did a shade under, I think it was about two hours, 30-something for Rogue Nation. And then he did a 2.48 and a 3.0-something interview for um, for the Empire podcast last year. Um, they didn't come, The second one didn't come out till around Christmas because I think it was around the time. Um, I'm trying to think what was out by then. I think it was on home release by the time he did the second one. But uh, really, really worth it because if, if you ever engage with Christopher McQuarrie on Twitter or something, I'm not guaranteeing he'll answer your tweet, but he answers a lot of them. People will answer ask questions and he will answer them and he will answer them honestly. Mm. And uh, he's, he's a very, very welcome presence in, in the filmmaking world for that alone. He's quite open about the process. He talks a lot about the testing process. I mean, a lot of filmmakers would be precious about that. I changed it because the test audience didn't like it. Who would admit that? But Christopher McQuarrie is right on the table with the importance of testing. And yeah, he's, he's quite open about that sort of thing, isn't he? Mm. Which is refreshing. Yeah. So um, I would recommend those. Um, definitely go seek those out. He's done other interviews on other podcasts, but they're shorter. You get everything you need here. Have you guys listened to those interviews? Oh, I remember listening to... what I think I might have listened to them back in the day. I've not revisited them. I've listened to like another one on um, Q&A uh, he did. on I, Well, both Rogue Nation and when we had Tom Cruise with him. Um, and they're talking about like sort of hanging off, uh, hanging off that plane, and like I've been like so number one concern is like a, a bird just coming off and knocking Tom Cruise's head off. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but he's there. With, uh, let's listen to let's listen to it again. Where he's talking about Fallout and Fallout, um, and that was like about two hours as well. And he's just like just talk through. Yeah, I say the entire process, just what it's like working with Tom Cruise, and it just the two just seem to be like in sync one another I mean we, he best described as like you know our whole our whole relationship with like me and Tom is basically like us talking about like films with uh, occasionally be interrupted with production <laughs> like the yeah. whole thing is just like they're just shooting ideas and all of a sudden it's like oh well, well I guess we're filming this now <laughs> well he did say in the Rogue Nation one when he um, when they tested Rebecca Ferguson he said we were arguing because Tom Cruise was watching what she was doing and saying no i want the more the character to be more like this and he was going but we're not shooting the film yet tom i.e it doesn't matter whether it takes right she's doing what we're asking her to do now and he said the problem was we were sort of only verbalizing half of sentences so she must have wondered what the hell we were talking about (laughs) and so they're very simpatico and it doesn't surprise me he's writing on top gun no. Yeah, well, I think no, definitely. He will, he will have Macquarie, and Macquarie isn't just the director now. In that, he's not. Well, I'll only write what I direct. So he still gets involved. He was second unit on Edge of Tomorrow, um, and he's been involved in lots of stuff. And that's where he talks about lenses and stuff. I think the only thing I'm going to add before we get to Chris's um, opening thoughts is while we're on the subject of Macquarie, Macquarie was at, asked to come back and, and um, Cruz asked him, the studio asked him, but Cruz asked him as well. And he said, well, no, Tom, he said, I know I've had the ideas, but he said the whole point of this series is you have a different director each time. And he said, well, we never wrote that down. Rules are there to be broken. And he said, well, I'll do it. I don't think this was one conversation. I think he went away and thought about it, but he came back and said, I'll do it. 
on the basis I can change everything up, everything entirely. Um, so he said, I want a completely new crew. He said, I want new music. So he said, Joe Kramer had done everything I'd ever made so far. But uh, we obviously got Lorne Balfe. He changed the cinematographer for Rob Hardy. And there's a lot in the interview about conversations with Rob Hardy about lenses. Because he, he openly says, when I did Jack Reacher, that was the first time I ever even looked at lenses. But now he said Rob Hardy wanted to shoot with 35 and 50 millimeter lenses. And he said, they're sort of human eye. And he said, you try and film a chase with that. And it looks so slow. He said, we were watching the rushes and Tom was going, I can't go any faster. So um, they had a bit. But Rob Hardy describes his visual style as tungsten, which is probably another way of saying chrome. You know, it's got that very slightly desaturated, slightly grainy quality to it. So when we talk about Bond, Rogue Nation is the Bond film of this series. I don't think any of them are as Bond as we talk about, but if you're going to say one of them is a Bond film, Rogue Nation is a Bond yeah, film. Yeah, I would this agree. Um, but he changed it, and Lorne Balfe's score is is really difficult, different. I, I I like it. We'll go through it as we go it's through. It's refreshing, it. isn't it? I think. I like it. I mean, I I almost felt embarrassed telling Char Charlie I preferred this one because Charlie knows his score and scores, and he loved um, Joe Kramer's. But this is a very different score. It's nowhere near as lush as the last film. It's moodier, uh, isn't it? It's a lot more. It, it feels stripped back to me but it's it feels very it, it feels a bit Hans Zimmer mm. um, I was trying very, to think who does he sound like very, oh. and there's a bit in the film there's a bit at the end where they're on the helicopters and the music is is straight from another film and I can't think what it is it's you know very declarative it's almost dun 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 and I can't think what that's from mm. but um, it's, it, it's, for very, sure. it's very staccato the Mission Impossible theme is great in this film but anyway, um, yeah, so he's changed everything for this film, with the exception of writers. He was the writer on this. So, um, yeah, there we go. Chris, you're opening for but Yeah, I mean, it's funny you should mention Hans Zimmer, because one of the first things I thought of this was, uh, this is kind of Mission Impossible Nolan edition, and I kept thinking of Inception, not necessarily in terms of, you know, its plot or anything, but... It's particularly in it in its almost like style of delivery, and I think the the key aspect of it was the score. Um, everything just felt Inception. Everything just felt almost like urgent or tense. Like is that there's like there's a constant pace, even through like it's, even though it's just Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio just explaining something. If so, there's always something about it, just feels like urgent. Like no, there, there's a pressing thing we got got stuff to get the off, score get on with. in that film is doing a lot of work to cover the fact that you are basically having data dumps because that's the only way that film's going to yeah. work yeah. i love the film by the way but it breaks the rule of show don't tell and it's and i felt it kind of here now i think here is a lot more visual they you know they obviously there's not a lot of like exposition they don't just like you know tell you a bunch of stuff i think they very much are like show don't tell or they they will happily like cut stuff cut, cut out stuff they don't need because um, I think they're one of, the, one of the good things about them, they're not very precious about it. You know, it's whatever suits the film. But I did definitely felt like this constant, uh, just this like constant sort of tension, like momentum always going forward. So even to even to the extent that, even when there wasn't like an action scene happening, I I felt like I was constantly watching, always watching something like, of I was constantly feeling like there was always an action scene. The, the film just kept on moving. Like so, it's like so. One minute, like okay, was Tom Cruise I shoot out? Let me. It's always in a plane. He's doing halo jump, and then he's trying to fight in the bathroom. Oh, or where we are? There's a bit of a, a fight in the uh, 
in in the, in the place in France and, and we're moving on. Oh, we're going on to a heist. Everything keeps on moving forward, and then there's like another big chase scene, another chase scene, and it doesn't get stale. And I think this is probably one of the most impressive action films I've seen of recent years. Uh, I think one of the, one of the things I came out of it was, you know. You never thought of Tom Cruise as being an action star, but I think af- after this one, after the work he's done on, on Mission Impossible, and after like all the other other films he's done as well, particularly with, with quality, I think yeah, he's a full fledged action star now. I think he has every right to that title because the stuff he does in this film, stunt wise, the 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 commitment to actually giving you the visual, um, the visual element of him doing all all that shit, and you know, I mean the whole, I mean. I mean, he, 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 he fractured his fucking ankle and made it like a selling point. I mean, you know, talk, talk about it's like, incredible, isn't talk it? about it's a whole other level. Yeah, but it's it, you know, that that's the point. Like, you know, he is like, no, no, it has to be me. If you look at like sort of um, Top Gun, he's like, he, he he was talking about, no, you have to see me in 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 that in that fighter fighter plane, and he was talking about like as well as getting all these young actors who are actually in the fighter plane, and you'll see like see us break the sound barrier for real you know shit like that and it's the thing you know i'm gonna put that on the fucking screen nothing about this is fake you know i mean yes other, other films can do that and be visually impressive and whatnot but i want to like do something different and create something real and hats off to him for that i mean fucking hell then that is dedication and uh you know and i'm you know so i know i'm actually looking forward to see what uh top gun 2 delivers you know even though it probably will be just yeah, like... Yeah, uh, very exciting. Even though it probably just will be like Top Gun again, but, you know, with updated and ridiculous <laughs> stunt work going on. But, yeah, fuck it, why not? But, yeah, um, yeah. so, yeah, this is probably, hands down, probably the, the, the best of the series. Uh, it It's, you know, it's got a good cast all, all around. Henry Cavill's does does good work here. Um I think it may, it makes good use of the location. I think the the uh, what the relationship between Cruz and McCrory have is they do develop this idea of just moving with the story and just let letting the story just guide naturally. They have the idea what what the story is. Got like okay, well here's the basic setup. Here's where we kind of gonna go. Uh, and then we'll just figure out set pieces. McCrory's sort of sort sort of attitude towards it is like well. I need a location first before I can come up with a set piece. Yeah, he said he he scouted every location before he wrote the film. So, uh, most people mm. want, want want to know that set piece before they can find locations. No, 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 I'll figure something out, but I just need to know where we're going to be, and then I can come up with something. <laughs> and it's just like, it's just that, like, unorthodox, like, yeah, look, look, let's just figure something out. We're writing on the day. We're going to, like. They do it on the fly, but it, pull, you know, it comes off so well. But it makes it that high wire rack that you think, I can't believe they're balancing all this. You know, no, swap McQuarrie out for a different director, would they fall over now trying to do it this way? Yeah, and and you watch it and you think, like, well, all this makes sense, particularly this one, all this makes sense. And you, and given the fact that it's it's all done on the fly, and you think, fucking, I mean, like, in Rogue Nation, like, the stuff with, like, putting uh, someone laying in a box and then ending that, and that was literally come up last minute. But when you watch the film, it plays off as if like, well, of course, that's always going to be the way. They, they, they reference it like twice before, twice like during the film. He actually said to the, he said to the uh, he said to the studio he said, "Would you have accepted it if I'd pitched that?" And they went, "No, of course not." No, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but but that's but that's kind of just it. I think they just 
they just trust in the story and they have instincts about where where they can go with it and what to do. And you know, I kind of feel that sorry for you know Shaw Harris having to be dragged in probably five of these things now. Is that? Yeah, she doesn't want to do. <laughs> it's like you motherfuckers! They don't even kill it. They don't even kill him in this. You know, they, this, no. is, this would have to be in consideration for like awards when it comes to things like editing. Yeah. Because how do you cut when everything's got payoffs? Set up, when everything is set up in payoff, if how do you cut a four-hour version down to like two? It's crazy. Because you just lose all the connective tissue. Well, for like, set up shit, and payoff, what? you just sort of do close-up and wide angle. <laughs> but, yeah, we're paying, <laughs> but we're paying off. Yeah, that's that's Tiger YTT's uh, <laughs> way of doing it. Uh, yeah. You can imagine if there was like a stock market listing for wide angle lenses. Yeah. Just it went through the roof after Comic Con. So what drew that report and back? <laughs> like, oh, I'm not, in, not interested. Not interested in Marvel. What? <laughs> How much money? Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right then. <laughs> wide angle lenses, you say? Huh? <laughs> I, my, my first thought was because um, my first thought was, is this animated? Because she can just like phone it in from the set of whatever fucking wank fest she's doing from, yeah. you know, Aronofsky. <laughs> just to talk a little bit before we get into the film bef- um, about Henry Cavill. Um, the original, he, he won't name the actor, but he said that he had an actor in mind, but he always had Henry in mind. And he said it was the man from Uncle. He said he saw him in the man from Uncle and said, there's a villain in that guy. There's a villain underneath the surface in that guy. Um, and he actually said, I don't know, uh, he said he saw a little bit of Clark Gable in him. He said, but he was doing another film where he had a beard and they, they, he trimmed it down to a moustache and said, what about this? And he said, absolutely fine. And Macquarie was pushing all the way through marketing of this film to say, reveal him, reveal him. It's not a big reveal that he's the villain. And in fact, Tom Cruise said, I'm happy with this. There was a big fight over the fact that he was Superman and stuff like that. And he said, but... Uh, he said the crew said the only thing I want is he said I don't want the audience to be disappointed when he when he's a villain. I don't want them to think it's the budding of a beautiful bromance, and then when he turns bad, the audience is disappointed. So that's why he's seeded as uncomfortable with the IMF from the start. And he also so, sorry the... to interrupt, but that's also like you know, there's not many people, uh, filmmakers like that who come out with stuff like that. I mean, a lot of time you think about, all right, well, you know, you, you want to surprise the audience, so it's a lot of it, a lot of it's about masking. But it's like generally, you know, it's it's a bit more complex than that. You can't you can't feel can't let the audience feel cheated, you know. Yes. Like you know, you know, they are like they do have these natural impulses to know exactly what the audience will be satisfied with at the end of the day. Yeah, and he tested the film ex- extensively, and he said that one of the audience said, "Oh, it's obvious he's the villain," and they said, and he said, "When from?" And he said, well, when he handed the phone over and he said, what, you mean the big reveal where Lord Bolf scored? <laughs> what? <Absolutely. laughs> what, 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 where we linger on the phone and this big ominous music blares out? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you can tell that he's the villain. Uh, he said that was absolutely deliberate. He said we wanted it out there fairly early. For the whole moustache thing, um, he said he took a lot of shit on Twitter about it from people saying you ruined Justice League and all the rest of it. Uh, that's not what ruined Justice League. But um, <laughs> but he said, you know, he said, we tried. He said, but we got to a certain point in filming where he was contractually obliged to go and do the reshoots. And 
he said the truth of the matter was somebody was going digital. He said there was only one way. He said because they originally said to us how much to let him start growing it back out and then we'll fill in the rest with CG. And he said, you know, he said, if you want to see how bad that is, look at Tom's beard in Rogue Nation. He said, it's all right for a scene. He said, but you don't want that for a film. He said, that sort of trying to track in facial hair doesn't really work. He said, but we did the due diligence. We went and looked at however many shots we had. He said, I couldn't speak for how much theirs cost. He said, because I don't know how many shots that was. He said, but we did the math on it. Math, the maths on it. Did the maths. Um, and, numbers. He, and he said that we came up with a figure of $3 million. And he said, I tell you what, give us the $3 million that you would have paid us and we'll shut down. We'll shut down, let him grow it back. And apparently the studio got wind of this, Paramount, and said, are you mad? We're not shutting down. Yeah. And he said, so we came out with the only thing we could think to do where it would still look all right. The studio wouldn't go with it. And so they had to go digital. And he said, the problem when I talk to anyone on Twitter on it is he said, if they're not bashing me, they're trying to get me to like join in the fun on it, bashing them. And he said, it's not funny. He said, it just isn't funny. He said, we, we were not there to try and like damage Warner Brothers or that film. And he said, I haven't seen it yet, because this was obviously a few months ago. He said, I haven't seen it. He said, I don't know how it came out. He said, but we did what we could and we couldn't change it. And it's as simple as that. He was already in the can with a load of footage with a moustache. So they ended up having to do it for Justice League, remove it. And, and I, I think we can confirm to anyone who hasn't seen Justice League, it doesn't look right. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it was controversial, wasn't it? I mean, interesting enough, McCrory um, and Cavill have actually. Well, I think Cavill uh, approached Warner Brothers with uh, an idea that he and McCrory had for a Superman film, and Warner Brothers didn't even go for it. It was like it was something that would have like thought something that they both wanted to do. Thought thought would be a cool idea, and Warner Brothers rejected it as well. So. <laughs> Yeah, what Macquarie said on Twitter the other day. I saw it in my timeline as he as he tweeted it. He said, uh, "Yeah, we had an idea," and he said uh, they didn't want it. It seems studios don't want my ideas; they want me to fix theirs. Yeah, mm. you know. Um, so there you go. I would take a Macquarie Superman film in a heartbeat. In fact, I'd, I'd take a Macquarie anything in a heartbeat. He's done Oscar baity films, and now he's done like some one of the definitive action films of the decade. He's behind, um, yeah, um, Usual Suspects. Yeah, he's got an Oscar for that. Exactly. So, yeah, he can make any film he wants, quite frankly. I mean, like, you know, he, he was talking about, like, oh, you know, don't want, like, World War Two film, but he pulls out, but, same Private Ryan, but Dunkirk. And so the truth is, like, you know, you have to, like, sort of do what Nolan did and give him, like, a big franchise and then do Inception and give him, like, another big load of money before you get to do, like, you, you know, whatever you want. But before then, it's like, well, I'm just... I'm, I'm just a, a regular direct director. I'm, I'm only in a position, where, you know, that I'm in because, cause, you know, because Tom Cruise likes me, <laughs> basically. Yeah, and he's... um. He did say this is the first film he's done. He said even when he watches Rogue Nation, he said there's the odd shot in it that looks flat. And he said, I can't really work out why. He said, but this is the first film where I really felt like a director, where I felt like I had a thorough grasp of what I wanted without being slavish to it. It's the first time I wasn't a slave to my script. Mm -hmm. He said, I felt confident in the process of figuring it out as I went along and I completely understood lenses. So when like Rob Hardy 
was putting the wrong lenses on. He said, like, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but, you know, and Rob Hardy eventually was like, okay, and put 100 lenses on it. And he was like, actually, a 135 would work there. And he, he tells all these stories. But, um, yeah, I mean, for my first thoughts, not an awful lot to add to what you said. I, I think this is one of the definitive action films of the decade. Now, if I was to mark action set pieces uh the burj khalifa is still the best action sequence in the film in the series and i think this film is more than the sum of its parts because actually some of the big ticket items in this film didn't impress me as much as i think filmmakers were hoping but we'll come to it but the overall effect just serves as a definitive state statement it marries everything they've learned to date you know we started off with ethan as a cipher not really a character and three started developing it but then that dropped out a bit in four and now it's built on rogue nation trying to tell us a bit about him and you know macquarie was keen to have scenes that were effectively in ethan's head and we've had that now um bringing back a bit of banter between the crew you know they, they the first scene in the film they shot it and it was like we need to redo that there's not enough interplay between the crew he understands what he's doing with all the action sequences and each action sequence moves to the next bit moves to the next bit moves to the next bit and it just has a completely logical flow to it you know he said um one of the test screenings were like could probably do with a trim and he's like where he said you know there is really very little you could trim out of this film they've got a complete and total understanding of what they're doing now and they've slowly developed this character in plain sight so now if you're telling me ethan hunt isn't a character you're having a laugh aren't you we've <laughs> learned more about him in the last two or three films than you would in about the action lead in most franchises so um i, I, think, I think a good grounding is whenever like whenever you're sort of talking about sort of or whether you know a character is when you sort of think or oh, what would x do in this situation you, you kind of know you know if you put like if i put like you know ethan Hunt as a character i can kind of like i probably have like a good idea of what he would do you know i think i think we all would and we see him a little bit off duty in this one as well we see what a lonely life it can be um they build the, the relationship with ilsa again you know add a bit more to that we get closure on the whole julia story as I say, the action set pieces are great, but I actually prefer some of the slightly smaller ones than than the sort of real big ticket. Look what he's doing in this film moments, um, and it's it's virtually perfect. I, I came out for the first time, I think, in the whole series, thinking I wouldn't have changed the frame of that film. Um, absolutely perfect. The the location choices are excellent. Um, the plot is well thought through. Um, there are subtle differences between the plots because again at a high level you keep thinking they keep being disavowed and it, it isn't quite that so yeah absolutely terrific stuff and the, his whole attempt to go and get a different look and feel has paid off this is not rogue nation part two no so that's no. all i really have to say as an opening thought yes, it's very much its own its own beast as well isn't it? it isn't just a kind of like a follow-up to the film but it's very much its own installment in the series in its own right as you say not just you know part two it, it, it's kind of crazy that in uh, in film six, the, you know, the series only just started to find its feet. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like if it, it's in full swing now, you know, and and they're, and they're going to film probably like you know the, another two films back to back. Um, I, I don't know how Tom Cruise's body can take it, but here he is going to be in his sixties. He'll keep going. He's a machine. Yeah, yeah. He'll he'll keep churning him out, and um, you know. 
fair fucking play. I'll, I'll, I'll be there watching them. Yeah, we don't. Think, have we, the... we, you know, we can all hope that we're still doing these sort of things in our fifties. Well, I'm not doing them now, so I doubt. <laughs> I doubt I'll suddenly start. Uh, you might, Dave. Who knows? Yeah, Jeremy Renner's not in this film. We'll just quickly address that. He's Jeremy Renner. The Marvel movies. Jeremy Renner. They had an option for him for. And, and Macquarie said for the Avengers, he said, which they ended up not taking up. So he clearly means Infinity War. Mm. Um, and he said, well, the only thing I can do quickly is I can bring you back to kill you. And he said, no, I don't want to do that. Uh, so, yeah, well, yeah, there's a line. And it's like, oh, because um, he was going to kill off like Benji or Luther. And obviously before the obviously skipping head, there's a line where they, they say, oh, you know, we should be dead by now. And I think that's a call back to that moment. Yeah, the only time yeah. I can see it where he's either like does the Alec Baldwin bit or always in the opening bit where it's where, where it's you know where, where Luther's got been caught possibly yeah, he'd, have, he'd have probably been killed there. Yeah, I would have thought. Yeah, that that's it for opening thoughts. Shall we discuss this film sequentially, folks? Yeah, why not? Yeah. So he started uh, the other thing. Macquarie said he said that he was determined to get to the. Um, titles very very quickly <laughs> he, said, he said he said we'll just have a quick bit of that quick bit of that bit of, bit that. of action Great. and away we go yeah it, it's like fucking quite a long time <laughs> 16 <laughs> minutes 16 and a we're half taking, minutes it we're took. taking a long time yeah so it's now the longest to get there 16 and a half minutes is that is that is um it? is that longer than the bond film was done yeah like, that, that, that's 13 minutes this is 16 minutes uh well yeah if you get to the guy i think it's four, 14 and a 14 bit point something. for uh, the world is not enough i think it's the longest pre i can't remember if, i can't remember if that's including or without the top without the song i can't remember that's skyfall what, what, what was skyfall? no skyfall is shorter the longest is still the world is not enough skyfall's yeah. probably second yeah it's quite a long one yeah she said what <laughs> yeah <laughs> So it, was hanging, it was hanging in the water before he fell off the train. <laughs> so yeah, 16 and a half minutes. We start, the other thing, I just love the sort of making things on the fly. Because we start with, we start with a dream sequence. We'll do that first. He's by a lake marrying Julia. And the minister doing it is Solomon Lane. <laughs> the minister you wouldn't want to do your wedding. Yeah. Uh, and, and and this was by accident because they are originally going to have... Um... And he's like, it's gonna, is, is it? Is it? I'll observe the fanny. Uh, <laughs> and later, you'll see the fanny. <laughs> no, yeah, apparently it wasn't that was gonna... all off air last week. No one knows. <laughs> what so famous impressions again. <laughs> but it did have the line in it. Now here we have the fanny. <laughs> Anyway, carry on. <laughs> anyway, carry yeah, on. so you, so you have uh, you know uh, Sean Harris doing his Peter Cook impression. Uh, marriage. <laughs> marriage. Uh, now, now originally it's going to be Alec Baldwin's character Hunley. Uh, but, and, uh, and it, uh, I've listened to all these reviews. And I didn't know that. Yeah, originally, originally that, that that was what they were going to do, but just out of like time and because Sean Howard there, they thought, okay, well. How about this sort of placement? And now it's like, well, I, I can't think of anyone else better than someone like yeah. doing it because it just makes perfect sense. And uh, the vows are, do you promise to live like a double life and all yeah, that? Yeah, to lie. And... and he's going, stop, please stop. Yeah. And it and it's counterintuitive pain. He's not getting angry. He's just bewildered. 
and then it ends up ends with an explosion that basically annihilates them and he wakes up in just the grimmest place he's living Dublin and it's set, and, it, and it's Belfast Belfast sorry it, yes it's set Belfast and what I loved is Macquarie they were filming in London and they walked out onto that street where Tom Cruise actually opened the door to get like the package and he said to the crew he said where are we he said what does this look like even a little bit and someone said well it kind of looks like Belfast he said fair enough it's Belfast <laughs> yeah, another place beginning with B yeah <laughs> Bombay no <I> <laughs> Yeah, making good decent location there. <laughs> yeah, actually, shopping. New Zealand. Meant to be India. Actually, New Zealand. Yeah. Can you just imagine, like, Bond going to Belfast in the next film? Just... <laughs> yeah. Well, you Very know. scenic. Yeah. I've never been, been, I'm sure. It's lovely. Um, but yeah, but my dad's worked there for a while, so... But yeah, but the thing with the... Uh, the the, the dream sequence it was a good way to introduce Julia into it as well because they always have a um, the idea is like well you know you always have to do a film and make it work for don't assume that people have seen the previous films yeah because they said we got to sort out Julia and he was like okay then I have to reintroduce Julia you have yeah. to assume anyone watching yeah. this hasn't it's, seen it's it a good before. way to call back to a previous film as so well so you've got you've got Lane saying you should have killed me Ethan so it's like okay so he was the bad guy in the last one okay so he's back and okay, so the, so the, he was involved with this woman. We don't know if he did marry her, if you've not seen a previous film, or whether he was planning to. Whatever the case would be, but it's not going to be a sudden surprise later in the film when she just arrives yeah. in Kashmir. So just really thoughtful, obvious storytelling, but it's only obvious once it's done. You know, because if I was writing this, would I think to do an opening scene with Julia when she's no. not in the rest of the film? I probably wouldn't. Yeah, and that, that, that probably sort of just explains that whole um, why it took so long to get to the the title sequence because it you know nothing feels right at all. The actually we actually do get to the, what what we cook where we get to. Uh, yeah, so he, he picks up the package and he gets basically his mission, which That's is the one line in the film I don't like because I know they talk in code. What I don't understand, and I thought about this when I first watched the film, who gives them the code? So they get a phone call from head office. Says, right, this guy's going to turn up, right? And he's going to say, there's a coming storm, right? And you say... <laughs> and and you say, right. Well, you say, I am the storm. Say it like that as well. Um, yeah, so, I am the yeah. storm. Oh. Uh, when he opens the package, uh, the tape, it's a tape inside a book. And he said that was the one knob they decided to do the TV series. That happened a lot in the TV series. Which yeah, I it was inside the book. And also it was... Um... It's the Odyssey, isn't it? Because it has a, like an epic feel. Um, this film has like an epic feel about it. Yeah. So it's like a couple of famous Odyssey. Iliad's better, folks. But there you go. Um, so yeah, the the, miss, the mission. He said um, the voice for it. He said they kept testing people to do the voice, <clears throat> and he said what we had is a lot of people who were like announcers, but they weren't storytellers. He said they have to tell you the story of what's going on. So mm. that voice, it sounds nothing like him, but that's Christopher McQuarrie. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the director, but he has a really good voice, I think. So yeah. he's... That's not what he sounds like in interviews, though. He's putting on a voice. No, he, he did kind of, he does put on a little bit of an accent, you can yeah. tell. Yeah. Um, but you know, I thought he was quite good, actually. And then when you, I mean, when you hear him speaking, you know, he's very eloquent um, and he's very sort of considered in his speech as well. Um, but sort of listening to that, I remember sitting in the cinema and watching this film and thinking I think that's a director I've heard that voice before it doesn't <laughs> you know? sound like him to me even now I know it's him 
I think it does a little bit because he's putting on a voice. But mm. um, but no, very cool, very fun fact. And a so, little Hitchcock cameo for him. Why not? So the mission is that in the two years since the syndicate, they've sort of morphed into the apostles, the sort of ongoing. Now apparently, and I didn't spot this on second viewing, you actually see Henry Cavill in and amongst them. Lincoln, mm, you miss it. There he is. Yeah. Apparently he's in there, but um, yeah, basically the, the syndicate uh, the syndicate have become the apostles. They've been in contact with a guy called John Lark, calling himself John Lark, um, and it's all to do with getting hold of some um, plutonium in order that they build three three plutonium cores. In order, they had real problem with this three as well because they said they only really had two at the end, and it was like. Well, what happens to the third? And people were selling to him, we'll drop one of the major religions. He said, you can't do that. He said, you can't attack Islam and Christianity or just Judaism in Islam or just Judaism. You know what I mean? He said, it's all of them or none of them. But um, we'll sort, we'll see how they dealt with that a little bit later on. But the point is, they try, uh, Lark has got hold of some sort of nuclear scientist who we see in a little while. Tobruk? Tobruk, isn't it? Tobruk. Um, and they're trying to get, they're going to attack three holy sites. Uh, they've already uh, been responsible for uh, an outbreak, and there is talk of Kashmir, Kashmir at the yeah. stage, yeah. which is an absolute tinderbox for that part of the world. And that only came out because when they scouted, um, they scouted New Zealand, and he said, "Well, this is great, but New Zealand isn't at the centre of anything. What does this look like? Even a even a bit?" And somebody said, "It looks a little bit like Kashmir," and he said perfect given where it is because do. Kashmir is between like India Pakistan and Iran is it mm. when yes. you look at a map and it's an absolute tinderbox there's major water supplies there and all the rest of it and, and, so, and, and that was and that was the thing where they sort of like okay well why are the villains saying this was literally before shooting and they go like oh well let's look up Kashmir oh, oh well, that'll do yeah fine <laughs> so just like literally find anything come up with any old reason and that's you yeah. know and it just makes perfect sense so his mission is to intercept yeah. the um, the plutonium and stop it falling into the hand of, hands of the apostles. I can imagine in the course of uh, this review, I'll say the syndicate occasionally when I don't mean it, but we'll apologise in advance. The syndicate and the apostles are much the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Pretty much so, like Spectre and Quantum now we're at this point. Yeah, yeah, interchangeable. So they next turn up. Where is it they go? Where um, is that? Where is that? They go straight to Berlin. Uh, Berlin. Have, yeah, Berlin. Yes, because they're having the, them. The, the, the meet up. You have um, you got Luther in the van, and you have uh, Ethan and Benji. Uh, and waiting to do the stop. Yeah, the and and Benji's a bit apprehensive. You know, there's a bit of uh, back back is and forth. Is he nervous? Is he relaxed? We don't know. Uh, and Tom Cruise, supported by the choice of haircut and clothes in this film, looks cool as a cucumber. Mm. really kind of relaxed about it so they're going to meet some broker to buy these three plutonium cores um, and I don't know what I want to s- look, he's gone back to the short hairstyle as well because like the previous sort of films his hair's got a little bit longer and but yeah. no he goes back to kind of a shorter style and looks yeah. very cool as you say yeah. and actually I meant to say last week when I thought well, I can see Tom Cruise ageing but actually, he looks better than in Rogue Nation. His face was a bit puffy in that. I don't know if there was any like Botox or anything, but he looks younger than he did in Rogue Nation. He's starting to look a bit melty in Top Gun, though. Melty? <laughs> melty, yeah. <laughs> you know, he, just, he, he starts to look a little bit happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
No, he he looks better. He looks better than he did in Rogue Nation, and they're dressing him better than he looks in Rogue Nation as well. But again, different costume designers and everything in this film. Like Pierce wasn't in the world is not enough. He looks. Yeah, but he could do. He did last time. But he could do more than two expressions. He can. Thank you. At the end. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So the. yeah, so they're basically there to um, to obtain the, uh, the the free nuclear cores, but um, yeah, they get uh, hijacked essentially. Yeah, they get hijacked. Uh, uh, Luther is sort of the lights all go off, and then he's grabbed from the van. And then what? They uh, Benji sort of yeah. It it basically the, the car is open, so Ethan yeah. the cores are on the floor. The, the car they car. pinch from tomorrow never dies. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a it's a remote control one. A lot of this they, film is they can get away, but it, they can get away, but it will cost them Luther. He's at the end of a yeah. gun, and Tom decides not to. He shoots Luther, but he shoots him in the chest where he's wearing a vest, a bulletproof vest, by yeah. the way, not just like a wife beater. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, bullets just bounce off it, off his chest because yeah. he's. And when they look around, the cores have been taken, so they've they've yeah. they've lost. And then it is straight to, is it straight to credits from here? No, is, is... no, we go straight to. Uh, we we get to the the hospital and the newsflash. We get the announcement of. No, it's the newsflash next. So yeah, yeah. We, again, this has the look of deleted scenes to it, but it doesn't matter. It works quite well. De Brooks in hospital, yeah. and he's watching CNN and Wolf Blitzer. This is CNN. And there's and he's reporting attacks at three holy sites, one of which is the Vatican, which is obviously a callback to four. Uh, three holy sites have been attacked and he's there all chuffed because it's basically whatever he's done has succeeded he thinks um, and Little they and he's told by Luther and Ethan that he's basically been there for two weeks and they need the information off the phone he refuses unless he re- they read out John Lark's manifesto that if they say they can't without without for great peace peace there needs to be a great suffering the great suffering the greater the peace and all the rest of it there's pages of it but that's but the that's, line we that's, get yeah that's the general gift it's just basically to uh to do something really terrible to unite humanity it's very very similar in some respects to ghost protocol it is spot. yeah yeah um there also there's, there's lots of stuff the, that that I I thought from uh, Mission Possible One as well because you also have the beginning of this which is like a big setup like the op- the opening uh, bit is the whole like staged confession type thing uh you you have Max essentially or Max's daughter mm. essentially yeah. in there you got yes. e- Ethan being set up as a mole yes. but he's not. Having to prove his so it's all this. There's actually quite a lot of connected tissue that actually. That's just kind of you know, and and considering the fact that yeah, the main driving force of it is Ethan not wanting to sacrifice life, which is kind of which is we think about the first one where he lost his team, and he's doing this method well, because he will not. It's the same conversation we had about Endgame. If you're if you're less than complimentary about Endgame, you start calling it greatest hits Marvel. Yeah. in a negative way but if you're positive you start thinking of it as like a definitive statement it's the culmination of a lot of other things you've done sort of built into this new sort of hole yeah so i, I really like it but basically they he has to make a call he, he makes a big play of he's going to beat up Dubrook. yeah and eventually he's talked into releasing it 
So they make a call and the Wolf Blitzer gets a message to read this out in full. As he starts reading it, DeBrook basically unlocks his phone for them, which they plug straight in, which means they've got all the information on these nuclear weapons and what it is John Lark is looking to do and where they're meeting and all the rest of that sort of thing. And then it turns out it was a complete trick. Yeah. yeah. In walks Wolf Blitzer and it's not Wolf Blitzer, it's Benji in a mask. And actually the accident was that afternoon. Yeah, and then yeah, and then then we go cut to the credits, which is basically um, we don't necessarily see the the sparkling views, but we see like the film sort of like burning up as it's changing, don't we? Do you know what it reminded me of? And this is not a compliment. It reminded me of uh, Robert Rodriguez's Troublemaker Studios. <laughs> oh, um, that's not a compliment. I didn't no, really the like it. Were a bit quicker than than they have been. I'm it was a little kidding. bit direct to DVD. But and again, it made the same mistake as four. It showed a, just a little bit too much. The the way they cut it in Rogue Nation was perfect. It's a bit more, a bit more like Jerry Anderson style. Like this this week, this episode, you'll see this, 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 and this. But we kind of see a bit too much. But, but you know, Troublemaker Studios is perfect if it's machete, where it's an intentionally B movie. <laughs> but this, this this is fine. It's okay. This is interesting. This is like be- this is better than Ghost Protocol. But yes. I, I agree. Those but protocol I, but was the Rogue Nation showed though. way too much. Rogue Nation was better. When we come out at the, they're meeting at airbase, aren't they? He drives up in his, uh, I think it's BMWs in this film. It's all BMWs. That's the product placement. In a in Beamer. This film. Yeah. He drives up in a BMW and he starts almost apologising to Hundley. He's just going, "Sorry, we're in this situation." And mm. Hundley gives a bit of a speech. It's a bit on the nose, to be honest, but it's that that type of film, unfortunately. And he has to say, "No, it's your greatest strength. It's why I came over to you. You have something within you that you can't decide between one life and millions." Um, so very on the nose, but that's it. And they hear that John Lark is going to meet a character whose name I've forgotten, but she's known as the White Widow in Paris. That in about three hours' time, they've got to, and they're in Berlin, so they've got to get across to there. Mm. And before they can do it, along comes Angela Bassett as the head of the CIA, walking with uh, Henry Cavill's Walker, Erica Sloan, and uh, August Walker. Yeah, who's an assassin? You never hear his first name in the film, do you? So you're not. No, he's never once referred. Strawberry Walker. <laughs> yeah, Strawberry Walker forever. Nothing is real. Raspberry Walker. There you are. Yeah, there we are. <laughs> yeah. So um, she basically says, um, "You have just lost the the actions of the IMF have just lost three nuclear cores. Um, if you want to carry on with this, he's coming with you. Mm. That's it. Either he goes with you or you don't go. And if you you know go off grid, he's got orders to hunt you down." And yeah, and you know, from the well, I forget, we see Walker. You know, he's very much like smartly dressed. He's very, he looks very functional. Like the first shot, he's there looking at his watch. So he, just something simple as that just tells us something about okay, well, he's he's punctual. He's he's rigid. You know, it's meant to be mm. sort of as Pip does, like the hammer. When Ethan's meant to be like scalpel. Somebody looking at their watch also gives the message it's all a bit beneath them. Yeah, yeah, true. It's like but it's very much like business. You know, I'm. Um, you know, strictly business kind of thing, uh, and also he's sporting a, a, a bad guy moustache. So <laughs> <laughs> you know he's a villain. All deliberate. All Is he deliberate. wearing any socks? Yeah. Is he wearing any socks? That's what I'd like to know. That's the real sign. Yeah, there's a bad guy directing a Bond film at the moment because he doesn't wear, wasn't wearing any socks, was he? No. 
So this is the, this is the yeah, they basically fly over Paris and they're going to halo jump in. And Tom Cruise did over a hundred of these in preparation and three different, because they had to catch um, a certain time of day, they could only do one a day and they did three, three yeah, lots like of three it. three minute windows, didn't they? They're not jumping over Paris. They're jumping over Abu Dhabi. That was put in via CG later. It was taken from drone footage. Just incredible. Mm. It's incredible. It's crazy. So they have a little bit of they have a little bit of a Barney on the plane. They they really don't get on. I also noted first time I ever saw this, Tom Cruise is no longer hiding his height. He, no. He, you know, Walker towers over him, and there's no hiding that. Whether they, he's wearing slight lifts, because actually there's about eight inches between them in height in reality, and I'm not sure the gap is that big, but it's there. No, but it's, it's probably deliberate because obviously you know he's quite a lumbering figure anyway. Yeah. So, you know, you. What's that building called? They've got to jump into. Is it the Grand Palais or something? The Grand Palais. Okay, whatever it is, they've got a halo jump right over that, mm. and go in there. So they they can the, the plan is to find John Lark. They've got he's got something in his wristband because it's a big party, John Wick two style. It looks it reminded me <laughs> of Color Puppet. Um. And they find him, replace him with a mask, and Walker is supposed to walk him out the front and sort of hand him over. That's what's meant to happen. Walker immediately suggests he doesn't want to do that anyway. Uh, the jump itself, I think, is the one bit of the film that I don't like as much as I should like, and yet it's an incredible piece of filmmaking. A guy with a, an 8K GoPro on his head filming this. I mean, to be honest, I, I first I thought... I, I was a bit confused because like Walker just seems like a bit like of a, of, a, of an imbecile. Yeah. But you know that that's the initial impression. But when you watch, well, it, it... he actually says you have killed so many syndicate leads over the last couple of years. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've actually hurt us with this. But which which also is like another little clue, really, because he's obviously he's like, well, you're, you're the reason why we got no like no actual no leads to follow, which gives you like. Yeah. Also uh... on the plane, he says to him. What are you going to do when you're going to... How are you going to replace Lark? And he actually scans his face. Henry Cavill's face comes up on the computer and he said, we'll be John Lark. And it's like, you've just shown us John Lark. There's loads of little clues. Yeah. Um, but yeah, though, so, but it does make sense because obviously Ethan gets out, starts thinking, no, it's a bit of a storm. We have to rethink this. And obviously, as soon as, soon as he hear, hears that, he's like, no, we have to go now. So obviously he wants to be there regardless. So he makes Ethan go... Which I think is probably the reason why why he did why 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 he did what he did. Um, yeah, so he jumps out, it's hit by lightning, and Ethan basically it's a, the action sequence is Ethan trying to save him in midair and mm. land safely, yeah. which obviously they do. They get in, it's straight into like back into the man at CNA look, and uh, I think they they're trying to they're trying to find Lark from his wristband, and they yeah. track they track him to the ba- the bathroom. And Macquarie said uh, the design of that was deliberate. They didn't just want guys stood in a big open room, so that's why you've got the bit down the middle. And he said he wanted it stark white because they're kind of exposed. It is like the cockroach in the on the kitchen floor sort of thing. Mm. Um, this sequence is great, and of course, later on, when Lark is well, when Walker is telling Erica about it, he's saying, "Well, Lark wouldn't send himself, would he? He would send." another guy, one of his acolytes, which is exactly what he's done. Yeah. Basically. I mean, like, it, it, the the bathroom is a bit like, for, given that this is like a big 
huge bumping place. I, you know, surprised that lack of people in the constant there, and it's very, very clean. <laughs> the cleanliness of it is bizarre, but then this is a high, this is a high rollers nightclub, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so they they go in, they they, you know, they try to um, sedate him, um, but it goes wrong. Uh, so you know, Walker just smashes his head in. Yeah, conveniently breaking the laptop as well, which is obviously deliberate. But again, it plays within the scene. He can explain yeah. that away. And 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 for we know, he's meant to be the more abrupt Reckless. guy. Yeah, the more like sort of I'll just you know the hammer essentially. Yeah. So um... the scene in the toilet store was funny, particularly the rumors about Tom Cruise over the years. I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, you're not because you just wouldn't do that scene. <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, but yeah, they can't scan the face properly. Yeah, and then they they wait for the guys to go, and then the the guy who's supposed to be Lark is wakes up, and they have another huge fight, and he just yeah. basically just kicks everyone's ass. Yeah, I mean, he really wasn't expecting like to to be this almost like this one sided. Yeah, and Tom Cruise actually, Ethan looks a bit worn out in this as well. They they're not trying to hide the age completely. Yeah. Um, and of course, he, he's just about to sort of get the uh, upper hand, and Ilsa shoots him. Yeah, Ilsa arrives in the bathroom and shoots him. She's obviously tracking the same guy. Um, and then, of course, it's a bloodbath there, so they they have to sort of someone else comes in and they fake that like Henry Cavill's hurt himself or something. Yeah, and then he's like, "I've got to go in without a mask." We'll have to just assume they haven't met. Yeah, and he says. Hope is not a strategy or a s- assumption or whatever he says, and she says you must be new. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, it's pretty much have like ghost protocol again, isn't it? Sort of like oh well, mask doesn't work. Let's we, let, we've let, got let, no choice. Yeah, let's just assume. Um, and we've had a mask gag. That's good yeah. enough. And um, so yeah, so where do we go? We go. We go to. He goes to meet the the White Widow. He walk. He walks down the set of John Wick Two. Yeah. On the way into this sort of room at the back to meet the White Widow, who's talking about a mother past tense, so a mother's passed away. And it's like this it's, it's this big speech. Now, uh, this was supposed to be her singing. This was supposed well, to be was... like a, a musical number, uh, originally. Right. She wasn't going to sing a speech. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's, it's, meant to, it's meant to go in and she's supposed to be sort of like sort of like sing, singing singing this song. This was like supposed to be. And then, and you can kind of like see some of the shots where she's like, where she's cresting the microphone as she's singing, but she's actually, but they actually decided to go with, no, it actually works better when she's, when it's without, without a song in place. So they decided to just go through with like a, a speech and it's like a fundraiser type thing. Um, this means Macquarie and stuff has said other things in interviews. I've listened to six hours of the guy and I've still missed things. Well, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's so much. There's so much going on, isn't there? It's very multi-layered. I'll I'll send you the link to the podcast. I think it's uh, uh, the Q and A with Jeff Goldsmith. I think. Yeah, okay. okay. I'll uh, find it. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll send you the link anyway. Anyway, so um, yeah, he meets the White Widow, and yeah. there's there's instantly kind of like she's instantly fascinated by. Uh, Ethan. Yes. And there's this element of the fact that she just she just likes almost like chaos. She's yeah. she's almost like ooh, you're interesting. And as a relative of Vanessa Redgrave, that's plausible to me. Mm. You have a look mm-hmm. at a younger as she looks like a relative. She doesn't look like a younger version. She looks like could be a niece, a daughter, mm. a, a sister, something like that. 
So it's absolutely terrific, and it it again this just break, this just falls into a big action sequence. Really, yeah. We don't get time to find out anything about the cause. He thinks he's there to buy the cause. Yeah. Um, he, he he's, he's been told that by um, Elsa that uh, there are people there to kill him because obviously they, you know there's there's hit there's other people out to kill whoever John Lark is. So they're waiting for whoever that is to meet the White Widow. So obviously there are people there to take him out seeing that he's just like approached us so he uses that to kind of sort of say no there's people here to there's people here to take you out and so he so sort of highlights like the, the 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 you know the kind of odd looking burly men kind of circling them <laughs> to kind of like prove, prove his point and it's sort of like well you want to take your chance <laughs> um which again is like another like just thing turns into you, a decent yeah just like yeah, just decent hand to act action sequence now where he's protecting her and fighting and yeah. she's fighting as well, and Ilsa's there and defending them, and Orcus Walker's stopping stopping them getting hurt, and that sort of thing. Yeah. And they get out, and they head for... Is this Blenheim Palace again? It looks exactly where they were in the last film, and where they filmed Inspector. I don't think it is. No, no, I don't think it's that place. All right. I was trying to find out where it was, but I couldn't seem to find out any information on that one, unfortunately. I think this is still definitely in uh, Paris. Okay. I think. Um... I mean, if if anything, it kind of kind of reminded me of like seeing the Fast and Furious Six, but um, but yeah. Anyway, well, this is where we get the background that she's a broker. She's there mm. to put the sellers in chart in in contact with John Locke, <clears throat> not to sell him mm. the cause. And they don't want money; they want Solomon Lane out because he's meant she's working on behalf of the Apostles. They want which yeah. was the syndicate. They want him out, so. He, it's now tomorrow you are breaking him out and we go straight into that what if sequence where we think Ethan is actually the way it's going to play out in their mind Ethan will end up having to kill cops and stuff like that Yeah. and so when we cut to the real thing he's obviously doing something else but that's that's he admits he knows who it is she said who is that and it's like it's Solomon Lane um, yeah so they've got to break him out the next day in Paris He's being transported somewhere. They're going to put like a roadblock in the place. They're going to be sent down by the canal or the river. Mm. And then this truck is just going to basically block them off and break them out and kill all the cops that are there. But actually, he times it slightly differently. The yeah. next day. Uh... So he puts cameras out and times it to actually knock the van into the water instead. And then they take off in a big chase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, while while the the other team, Benji and Lucy are getting them out. Yeah, Viva mm-hmm. Scuba, and then then we just have like a essentially we essentially have like it starts as a truck chase. He he loses um, Walker by pretending his bike doesn't work. Uh, was, did he pretend it didn't work? Did he? Because he was I, nearly shot. He looked panicked. I don't think that was pretending. I don't know. I got a feel. I, I have a feeling that sort of. I think for the film, you don't want them riding beside each other. You yeah. need Tom Cruise on his own. That's why. But he, he's slightly panicked and he's very nearly shot. So I don't think that's a faking it. I think okay. that's the, he couldn't start it. But either way, Walker gets away first. So we are following Tom on a bike. Yeah, and, then... and he made the he made the point that when it's um cars, he tends to drop out most of the sound and leave the sound of the car. He said, but with bikes, it becomes such a drone, you don't want to do too mm. much of that. But they do use the sound design. L- later on, you've got Ilsa going down like a colonnade, and you do hear 
<coughs> the bike sort of cutting through like air and different mm. air resistance and stuff. But yeah, it goes van that they basically jam into like an alley, get out of that onto bikes. Then it's Tom being chased on a bike for a while, which is just phenomenal. That's where he does go against traffic on the Champs Elysees. That is where it's sudden changes direction, right, racing against traffic and stuff like that. I think this is probably the best bike work of the series. Mm. And again, it's it's constant pacing. It just doesn't doesn't let up. And the then, film hasn't stopped at all. Yeah, yeah. There's been a couple of short talking scenes. That's it. And you know, we you know they they break Sean Mullane out. He, he he cuts the net. He manages to get away. Um, which yeah, and then they they, they meet up at a lockup to get into a car. Hmm. Um, and the cop that sort of spots them and gets shot was meant to be a guy, and it was Tom who said, "Make that a woman." Just said he just said it'll just play better. Yeah. Um, and they they get away in a big car chase with Lane in the passenger seat. That's an epic car chase. It reminds me very much of like and, and an old school car, car as well. The seventies. Yeah, I think the choice of car as well is quite uh, decent as well. Going um, on. Yeah, the train be... line is deliberately French Connection. Mm. I was going to say, it reminds me of those sort of classic movies. Well, from the 70s and 80s. <laughs> Confessions of a driving instructor, you know. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we have uh, Elsa try, um, try, basically trying to kill someone lane. Yeah. So uh, Following um... on from the last film, MI6 are making a do it, though we don't know that at this stage, mm. but you can guess it. If you've not seen the film before, the film will explain it. Uh, the previous film, this film will explain it. If you have seen it before, you probably worked at MI6 and making her. And yeah, again, so we'll go go from another great chase scene to another one, another one in a car. So it's yeah. funny how like the Road Nation went from like uh, a chase in a car to a bike chase, and this was yeah, going for a bike chase. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, both both are both are probably a bit longer as well. Certainly, the car chase is longer mm. than the one in Road Nation, and it's just fantastic. Cars skidding all over the place in the streets of um, Paris. And you got Sean Harris, you know, doing like his casual, good to see you, Ethan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he points out, that, that was Elsa. That's interesting. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, um, so where do you go from here? The, uh, he, Ethan manages to get away. They get rid of the, the tracker that's in. Uh... They have to get underground basically to meet up with the other two. Well, to, to actually get into mm. an area where they get the tracker out of him. But what we find out later, and it's spoiler at the, for this point in the film, is they put their own in with a 36 hour yeah. delay. Um, yeah, because the police, because they basically put it in a drone just as the police are about to arrive. It's all done in sound design. Yeah. And you see the police sound sirens moving away. And that's it. And so they then get they then have to get him back to meet up with Hundley. Yeah, so they meet up they meet up with um White Widow again. Uh and she uh, she's she, Tom because yeah. he's such a superstar. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean she states that she wants um whoever Elsa is cuz she she, yeah. she assumes that well, so he killed four my men. So he's he's got to meet I mean, he, he, yeah, she basically says to come to London and they'll be in touch for these mm. cause. So that's where the next act of the film is going to be, London. Um, he's a, he's asked about Elsa, and he says, you know, it's complicated. Mm. And uh, so she still thinks he's John Lark. They've still got before they meet up with Hunley, though. Uh, we see Walker meet up with Erica and hand her the phone. Now we notably saw in the bathroom scene when he took the phone off John Lark's acolyte, it was broken, and he hands over a perfectly pristine phone to her. 
after voicing the opinion, she said, you've often thought this was an American agent, John Lark. Well, what if it's Hunt? He's been disavowed so many times. What happened there is exactly what John Hunt would, uh, John Lark would do. Um, and he get the information off this phone and he hands, hands her a pristine phone. So at that point, we know he's the bad guy. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Epic. Um, Ethan also meets up with um, Elsa as well before they go to London. They're in. Um, yeah. Do that, they do that kind of like um, walk thing where they kind of like sort of like spot each other. And then she explains yeah. space. It's basically what, what you said about um, uh, she's basically having to sort of prove herself to yeah. Emma, which is kind of like almost like tragic like she's spent the entire time with the syndicate having to prove herself to someone lane to kind of like to, to gain his trust but now yeah. she's kind of have to like constantly having to prove her loyalty so he sort of I can kind of see uh, almost like the, the the connection with Ethan where like well she doesn't have to prove herself to Ethan which I think is probably what large part of their appeal of their relationship really Ethan trusted her from like from the first from the first moment they saw in the last film. But um yeah, anyway. So, yeah, so we go straight to London, don't we? Yeah, we go straight to London. They they meet up with Hunley. Um and again, this is a sequence that Macquarie wanted shot dark. Mm. And he said that in previous films he was so obsessed with lighting and changes in lighting, even to the point he said that I would establish people switching on lights and things like that. And he said, I didn't want that here. And he said, so we decided to have those sort of temporary sort of building lights up. But um, there's a bit of cross and double cross here, isn't there? Because Hunley is basically immediately saying, you know, basically says, we're going to have to hand you over. You are John Lark. Yeah. Ethan's arguing his innocence. We we never quite know. We think Hunley doesn't believe it, but we're not quite sure to start with. And they've got Lane there. So, yeah. They play they play yeah. an elaborate double cross on Walker basically, don't they? Yeah, so they they uh they tranquilize um Hunley and then they're sort of like, like right, okay, well let, let, let's carry on the mission, you in or out to Walker and he goes in. And so they, they come up with an idea of putting Benji in in the place of Lane and making um, and sort of like giving them like a, a duplicate, leaving Walker alone with Lane. Uh and then which Lane will attempt to Sort of show his true colours and break out. Um, uh, some uh, someone lane. Walker will break out lane. That's the yeah. idea. They do a subtle sort of bait and switch just before he starts watching it on the video camera, basically. Mm. So they head off with Benji. They think, or oh, they see him put the mask on, but they think they've yeah. headed with. They think they've headed off with Benji in a mask. Yeah. In order to hand him over to the syndicate. And the, you know, and pops. And props to Sean Harris here because he actually does a good job of playing Benji into playing sort of like. Yeah, he, he said I'm deliberately <laughs> going to play it sort of a bit overboard because he's you know got his big acting moment. Yeah, <laughs> and he does play it slightly. There, there's even a couple of bits in speech pattern that I thought were Simon Pegg. Yeah, um, and of course he starts saying, you know, do you have to make this so fucking difficult? First F word, <laughs> and basically just admits it all, and then effectively. Walker works out, you know, he says something like, she was right, the IMF is Halloween with just people in masks. And yeah. Rips the mask off him, it's Benji. And Hunley's right behind him with a gun, so yeah. it was a elaborate double cross. 
So at this point, everybody knows he's the bad guy. And obviously they've still got the plan to go and um, get this plutonium, but it doesn't quite work like that, does mm -hmm. it? No. No, it goes a bit... Well, the CIA then turn up. They contact... Well, he's, he's still saying, well, no one's going to believe you, and it turns out she's on the line. And she's heard all of this. But she still doesn't trust the IMF, so CIA agents are there ready to take him down. But it turns out they've been infiltrated by... So it's, a, it's a, a trabucal cross. Yeah. A quadruple. <laughs> this scene must have been a bastard to write. It's a whole new number. Well, you just you got like sort of, you know, uh, three is it three or four different parties all like doing different things. You got also got CIA with with their own interest. Yeah. This is one of those kind of scenes where you have to keep all the different like different books. So, okay, this is what character A knows. This is what character B knows. This is what character C knows. And then the fourth book is kind of like what character D knows about all the others. You know, it's kind of you've got to manage all these really. Um, tightly woven threads and keep them you know, consistent so, he so did kudos say, to Macquarie for managing Alec, well, Alec such Alec Baldwin feet. said that he would only come back if he was killed off so um, he is effectively caught in all of this isn't mm. he killed yeah yeah. Well, he kind of got to pick you know that was his his reason for coming back because you know I, I get to kind of do it to bow out and I get to kind of choose how who does it and how it happens yeah he, so. he, he wanted to die saving Ethan that was his uh yeah, that was a stick for coming back, pretty much. Yeah. And why not? He said that he, he loved working with Alec Baldwin, Macquarie said. He just said the, the variation in line delivery and the way he assembles lines and reassembles lines, moves words around within a sentence mm. to make work and stuff like that, had nothing but the most highest of high praise for him. Um, he is perfect for that kind of role, though, isn't he? Yes, Absolutely. Just Better than fucking Michael Madsen having a puff on a cigarette, innit? it? <laughs> <laughs> they've done the jeans screen off, you know what I mean? Cast Alec Baldwin. But yeah, but he can do, like, he can do proper, like, authoritative bastard, but he can also be a little bit roguish with it as well. So He's you got have... a bit of warmth as well. Yeah. Um, so he a can... bit of charm. Yeah. yeah. Where, whereas, um, um, I've forgotten her name now, CIA... Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett, yes. Uh, sorry, her name escaped me there. She's perfect for playing the role she is as just a complete ice queen who is just no fucking nonsense, takes no shit, you know. Absolutely. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah, so, sort of person who's like, who, who would just say, like, I don't give a shit if you have the right attentions, you're not getting any fucking sympathy. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I mean, a Angela Bassett, I mean, she's just, she's another one who can almost do most things. Mm. Yeah, she pretty much does it all. Yeah, she, she can do most things. I'm just trying to see because... No, she was um, Waller in Green Lantern. Obviously, she was recast when they started the DC Universe properly. Yeah, the film was crap, but she was really good in that role, and it's a very similar role. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, she kind of just raises any... Even if it's not a very good or very well-received well film, yeah. she still managed to, to raise it up. Yeah. I mean, she couldn't. There was no saving that film, but she was very good in it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not even Martin Campbell could save that film. Yeah, of course she made her name with uh, Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? And mm. she was also in Malcolm X. As I was going to say, didn't she play Tina Turner? Uh, Strange yeah. Days. She's in that as well. She was in Strange. Oh God, Days. that's a good film. I've not seen that for a long time. Um, I think that was my Ray Fiennes drug. <laughs> yeah. Gateway yeah. drug. Yeah. yeah, I remember that film, but. Um, because that was set in 2000, which was like yeah. really futuristic when it came out in 95. Five years away. 
I know, but it, if 2000 once upon a time sounded really With funny. Russell Crowe as well, like in a, a breakout role. It's it's like when you watch Demolition Man as well. It's like that that's only set like what five or ten years since that's that's released <laughs> in the near future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we're not like wiping that our asses with there's... shells, are we? No, 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 not at all. No, we're past that. We're past it. You've moved on. Maybe, <laughs> moved may, on from maybe that point. one day. Maybe one day. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. It might come back into fashion. Okay. <laughs> so we launch straight into like. No, probably won't come back into fashion. We launched straight into the foot chase section of the yeah. film. Yeah, Tom Cruise running. Which is just pitch perfect. Apparently, yeah, sections that there's one section of this where the se- the run bit is one second faster than in, or longer than in yeah. three. But um, yeah, this is quite good because, again, they're playing Benji for the comedy bit, but it actually works because he's just not quite reading the tablet properly. He's trying to tell Ethan mm. where to go to chase Walker before he gets away. And you, know, you also have the, the visual cues like, why is he running in circles? Like, <laughs> he's like, yeah. he's like gonna yeah. get away. He, he got oh. got him like sort of like running into like sort of Saint Paul's, like interrupting like a, a funeral. They had like a, a a debate whether like should it be a wedding or a funeral, and he landed with funeral because I thought that would be a bit more inappropriate. So he just went for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then of course the bit where he's got to jump out the window, and it's like. What are you waiting for? I'm jumping out of a window. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's funny. It just yeah. is on. If if I'd read that in the script, though, I'd I'd gone. Oh, I'm not sure about that. But it works really well. And he just, yeah, it's just he was born to do this stuff. There's a bit where he's running that really long run yeah. across, across the roof after he jumps out the window. It's just absurdly long. And of course, yeah, he's jumping really across the roof. And we get slightly angelic music as he jumps across the roof, which did make Aww. me smile. Yeah, but that's where he breaks his ankle. Yeah, and given that like like a, quite a large part of this is actually done six weeks after said incident, it's actually quite yeah. it's quite impressive, <laughs> really. During that scene as well, we also see a cameo from Lolly Adafopi, who will be known to fans of this time with Alan Partridge. Is, was she the uh, outside person they used yeah, to go to? Yeah, she's the outside broadcast. The one, the one who kept whatever having he says. the time delay and contradicting him and all that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice her. I was kind of like, oh, I've seen that lady before. The ah, one who stands up to let him grab her chair to throw through the window, I recognised, but I didn't have time to like figure out who that was. No, I just, I just spotted her this evening yeah. and I was like, oh, obviously she's a bit more prominent now. So, um, but yeah, they're very cool. But pitch perfect. This film hasn't stopped except for one sequence, which was a load of double crossing that explained everything and gave you stuff to think about. Um, he's basically, basically he chases uh, Walker to the Tate Modern, yeah. which, if you've ever been to London, is a very, very distinctive building. Yeah, I think it's the first time for being, you know, being shot at the top of of the roof because it's quite an yeah. iconic building. As I say, you can't miss it. And yeah. but if ever I venture up there, we kind of use it as a local landmark. Oh, let's meet there, you know. Yeah, he yeah. hangs off the bottom of the elevator Skyfall style and is basically told if you follow us this will happen and he, he's got a photo of Julia Yeah. and that's it he gets to the top of the building but they take off in a helicopter with Lane and it, but then we find out where do we go directly from there I know what we find out next but where are we when we find out the uh, things we put in his neck we have a scene with Luther and Elsaway, but basically he explains a bit about Julia. Yeah. And kind of like a bit about like what, you know, a bit of guilt He's about... He's only really cared for two women. Yeah. One's you and one's her. 
And we'll forget yeah. that. We'll forget that. You know, part two abomination. <laughs> <laughs> And, and number one, she died before there was anything particularly there. But <laughs> yeah, um. yeah. But the part two with Tandy Newton, we don't know what happened to her, do we? Um. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. So yeah. So there's just a little bit of exposition that kind of hints towards the end of the film that he might have feelings for her, that Ethan <laughs> might have feelings for her. Yeah. Uh, there's a bit of guilt about like, you know, why we're in this all mess. He did it to save me, and kind of. Yeah, is that? Um... Addy does give that little bit of backstory. If you haven't seen a film before, they were happy for a while, but he kept wondering what was going on. She kept wondering, you know, who he wasn't saving while mm. he was happy with her, mm. and all of that sort of thing. And eventually, she was taken. He got her back, but yeah. Uh, and of course, that's all exposition for anyone who hasn't seen this fil- the the previous films. And it's actually welcome if you have seen yeah. the films, just from the point of view of filmmaking. We've had, Previously, oh, we've had, impossible. Well, we've had a wedding scene at the start of the film that's a dream sequence anyway. We had another sort of dream sequence later where she was talking where she was talking to Lane. We fell asleep in the truck and dreamt that. Um, that's a really handy way in. Yeah. But they now reveal that when they took the thing out of Lane's neck, they put their own one in with a 36-hour delay in case the, the apostles were tracking. Mm-hmm. And they find he's head, headed off to Kashmir. And they've got all the other information that they're going to have to sort of decode on the way. Again, the film keeps moving. Reminds me of four like that. They originally had sort of footage where they were going to have them land and discuss it all. But they have it in the car on the way. That it's a very busy film, isn't it? You kind of, you yeah. don't, you're not given much time to breathe. <laughs> the bit they figured out later was obviously at the end of the film, they've worked out that there's going to be two nuclear weapons. But there were three cores at the start of the film and they got all the way up to when they had to film it and they were like, we've got to explain this. We've got to explain what happened to the third one. And they suddenly went, it's a down payment. (laughs) So that's where they did it. It was a down payment, leaving the two. They work out on the way that the only way to stop these, which is a bit convenient, is to actually set them off. You've got to hack in after they've been set off. Yeah. So they they, they head off to um, Kashmir where there's, uh, well, it's Doctors Without Borders, isn't it? Yep. Medicine Sans Frontier. Yep. And, yeah, she's there with uh, her new husband. Where's Bentley? That's a problem. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> expecting him in this film. When I saw the name in the credits, I was like, oh. So, yeah, fans of independent film will be pleased to know. That he explained that. They said, well, why did you cast Where's Bentley? I mean, what he didn't say, because he doesn't want to assault, insult the guy. Um, but the hint in everything he's saying is like, all right, he's not a massive star, but he's still a name. He's quite well known, isn't he? Still, people know where's Bentley, and he said he just thought it was such an important role. He said because the way I asked him to play it, he said was the last thing we want is we turn up and he's all, what's going on here then? He said he wanted Wes to play it from a position of complete trust. She's in a good marriage. She's in a good marriage. She's happy. And he said the way he described it was there's a hole in her life. Not a hole as in, here we have the fanny. Um, <laughs> no, there's a, ho- there's, a, there's a hole. <laughs> Not that kind of hole. And, hole and, 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 and she's looking for someone to fill it. <laughs> <Is> that <what laughs> you... Like yeah. that. There's a gap in her past. 
There's a gap behind it. No, that's no gap. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of hold on. And where's Bentley's raced right in and no, no, no. Killed it. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and he knows it's there. He doesn't know what it is, and he doesn't ask. But he trusts her. He trusts that whatever it is, she's with him. He trusts her. Yeah. And when Ethan arrives, he instantly knows that's the gap in her past. Yeah. But he doesn't immediately go defensive. He trusts this woman. Um, the bit where Tom Cruise has to sort of talk to them both, I couldn't believe what I was hearing when he was describing this. He said they were filming and they were on the very, very last day. They had eight minutes to do this. Normally, you'd want to do it several different ways with coverage and everything. They had eight minutes, and he said, do it three times. He said, once you're doing it and you're absolutely straight, the one way you do it where you're the worst liar in the world, you know what I mean? Mm. And another yeah. one where you come straight down the middle. And he said, Tom Cruise is an actor. He said, I couldn't believe it. He did just the three takes absolutely perfect. He just did it. In eight minutes. And he's basically painting himself as a doctor. I forget what he's called. It's quite funny, but he gives himself a different name. Robert something or other. Yeah, he's got some kind of funny name, hasn't he? So, Well, it's just the fact he makes it up on the spot. Mm. If someone said, what are you called? And I wasn't aware I had to make up a name. I'd be, um, uh, don't know. But he just pulls it out on top of his head and he's like, oh, this is a great name. He paints that they're there to help, but actually they're about to pack up. They're there inoculating everybody. And while they're there, the rest of them have broken up looking for these devices. And Luther finds one, and he kind of, after Wes Bentley disappears, he's actually, like, chatting to um, Julia, and he kind of apologises and just legs it, basically. So there's two, there's two weapons... Um, and they've got to get the detonator. They've got to get the de- they've got to get the detonator and do something with that. So Ethan needs to find that one crew. Uh, Luther has found one of them, and the other one, Benji and Ilsa, have to find. Have I set that up correctly? Yeah, that that's right. So they're Benji's there looking for um, using like a nuclear detector, and he finds this room full of boxes giving off like nuclear vibes he's like oh, fine so he breaks one it's all like x-ray equipment uh, and then Elsa out of luck spots Solomon Lane yeah they don't overplay Benji's humour I've, yeah. I've been worried every film he's in I'm thinking you've got a skirt a very fine line here and he's comic relief but they don't overdo it I, I think so there's a bit where he's going to shoot a lock and he's like it's a nuclear weapon there's um, <laughs> there's. I was listening, listening to McCrory and he, and he said like there was like he, he kind of like defined it uh, in in a more succinct way. It was like it's humour, not comedy, and that's the thing. You just have little things. That's yeah, sort of that's thing. interesting you, way to you, put it. You chuckle it, but this is not a comedy. You know, it's just like well, it's... if you think of life, most of us say something funny most yeah. days of our lives to somebody, but we're not doing a bit, are we? Yeah, that's what he means, I would think, wouldn't you? Yeah, just just a little bit of light relief, isn't it? That's all. That's, that's what all, I say yeah. about films all the time. Life has levity. Mm. So, you you can have you you know I'll I'll say it when we get to the new Planet of the Apes films early next year. I think until you get to Bad Ape in the third one, with Dawn there's no levity at all, or there's very very little, and life has levity. You get gallows humour and stuff like that, and it's not about making things comedic. It's just about people just tossing off the odd remark here and there that actually, mm. when you think about it, it's quite humorous. But um. 
yeah, they, they so basically Julia finds uh, Luther and helps him. She's immediately, how can I help? And yeah. that was a Macquarie thing as well. He said she's that's who she is at her core, helping people. Um, and instead of being, I can't believe I've been put in this situation, it's I want to help. And he yeah. said it was horrible for Ving Rhames because apparently Ving Rhames's knees are not in good condition and he was kneeling on gravel for hours. Ah. Uh, but yeah, Benji, Benji, he also finds the house and, and Lane basically attacks her. And then it's basically, it's three different action sequences. Well, not action sequences. It's three different sequences cross-cut. Two of them are mm. action. You've got Benji and uh, Ilsa taking on Lane, but you've got things like ben- Benji being like hanged and things like yeah. that. I nearly said Benji being hung. That's not what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Simon. You're, you're quite hung there. <laughs> you've got um, Luther just doing a standard sort of defuser bomb, and you've got Ethan chasing after Walker in a helicopter because Walker's trying to get yeah. away from last sight and, and I love this established so, so like if he's in a helicopter and you're in another helicopter how the hell are you going to get it? I'll figure it out <laughs> and and that's just a metaphor for yeah. the whole like writing process of those films you know they didn't know how this whole sequence was going to lay out at all even the even the sort of layout of things there they just sort of worked it out and it was all based on right we'll need to reshoot that bit at Leavesden to have it in that the- configuration there's a whole like load of stuff like on the courtroom floor, like just just stuff that they shot. Like I mean, there's the like the stuff in in the trailer we see like Tom Cruise like sort of almost crashing into a truck. Yeah, um, I it, don't remember that. I've seen the trailers, but a long time ago. Yeah, it was. I think it was one of the closing shots on on one of the trailers. We see him like sort of like just sort of swinging, but um, but yeah, this like stuff for them like sort of swing swinging at the top of the uh, the place in Paris and things like that. That that was going to be. In there, the, the, there's, there's there's quite a few sort of like stuff like like finding like dead bodies as they go to Kashmir, you know, kind of where lanes being proved, yeah, like that kind of thing. Um, but it's just they just cut out because oh, we just don't need it. Like literally, just 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 for sheer time and just pacing. So they they are constantly sort of thinking about oh, what do we do here, what do we do, and I'm willing just to cut it. Um, what I think is really cool with the whole. Um, uh, Walker and, and um, Ethan thing is the fact that they 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 thought about the idea of like well, Ethan needs the um, the uh, what, we'll just it? say detonator dead yeah it's not a detonator but he it's basically... not a detonator because the things are already in motion but but it's he, a switch yeah uh, he he needs that but Walker it's a failsafe you can't yeah. just you can't just disarm them you have to have that as well but. It's convenient for the plot, but yeah. it works. But Walker d- doesn't realise that. Like, you know, according to Walker, it's like, well, like, the bond's going to go off no, no matter what, so it's pointless. So he's just thinking Ethan's just coming after him. You know, and he's like, oh, fuck this guy. I, wanna... I didn't know that. I didn't know that. He doesn't He doesn't know that thing can undo Because it. Because all you, all you have to do then, as soon as he's Ethan, just throws out the helicopter. Sorry, yeah. say that again. Because, because you know, if if that was the case, all all Walker have to do because they, they thought about this. They're like, well, hang on, if if Walker knew all he, he had knows to... that's the thing, just throw it. Particularly yeah. as there's bits you're over water. Yeah. So he, he so doesn't he, know. Yeah. So okay. so they, so he played the idea that he just doesn't, he, he he doesn't know about it. So he sort he of still could have chucked it in a bin, couldn't he? Could have done. 
But <laughs> I'm not even quite sure why he still got it or what he thinks it's for. I, th- I think you know, he, it, it's a he, time. I think so. I think for him, he did, it's... It, he did use it to set it off. Yeah, I th- I, yeah, I guess yeah. you know because there is a ticking time, so there's probably an element of like minutes. you, you use that minutes. as your timer to get out of it, kind of thing. Yeah, it's 15 minutes, and and they do it in real time fairly accurately. I think mm. I've never timed it, but 15 minutes is great because I, you know during Marvel I was talking about action sequences that were going on for longer than that. 15 mm. minutes is as long as you want because you've got. All right, Tom Cruise will probably get the lion's share of it because he's the star. But if he's got, for argument's sake, seven or eight minutes, you've got three or four minutes of each yeah. of the other ones. And that's about right if you cross-cutting. Yeah. You know, go back to Guardians of the Galaxy where they're fi- firing up at the sky for what seems like an age. <laughs> you know, so absolutely, that it's nice to know it's time-limited and ticking clocks are an old cinema trope that works mm. really well. But yeah, I'm, yes, no, he's got it because he set it off with it. He wouldn't just chuck that away. He'd put it down beside him. Um, and yeah, we... at the start of the film, while we're on helicopters, at the start of the film, he he said Macquarie said uh, he said to Tom Cruise, "What do you want to do? What interests you in this film?" And the first thing he said wasn't what I remembered as the first thing he said because the first thing I remember him having said from when I listened to the interview was that he wanted to fly helicopters. That's one of the reasons for the slight delay that they had to he had to put in i think it's something like three thousand solo hours fucking hell three thousand solo hours i mean if that's even remotely right that's about four four five months or something but um yeah i mean that's that's getting on that's about 19 weeks or something like that it's it's a lot anyway 18 19 weeks but solidly 24 hours a day it would have to be so it takes some time to do that um the only scene that isn't him he said, was when the helicopters carry in that payload, he said, that's a different level of license. He said, so once they ditch that, it's all him. Um, but the first thing well, he actually seen, said he was... He trained for a year, didn't they? He, he, he would have had fact, to. You can't do it in he, any... He got his, um, got his license in a really short amount of time, and then it, it took like a year to sort of plan and train for. Well, if you think about a working day in this country, there are 260 working days in a year. It's a bit more than that. It's 261 point something. But mm. if we say 260 at seven and a half hours a day, we only work 1950 hours in a year. There's, so he's, it's insane. He's done, he's done more than a working year to prepare. Um, but the first thing he actually said was, I'm still being asked about Julia. I'm still being asked about Julia, particularly as a lot of the audience misunderstood the Ethan, the Ethan Ilsa relationship mm. as overtly romantic from the start which it wasn't attended to be. No. and they said how can he be with her when Julia is still an unexplained thing so the first thing he said was Julia and the second thing when they got down to brass tacks of what kind of stunts and set pieces was he wanted to do helicopters um, and it, it's a really good sequence again there are better set pieces in the Mission Impossible films but there's still an element of I can't believe he's doing this it's just when you hear the story, the fact that you know when you when you get told that what 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 do you need to to learn to train? He's like, oh, you learn for like what 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 is it four hour uh, four six hours a day, yeah, um, uh, for x amount of months. He's like, well, what am I doing for the other <laughs> other six hours? <laughs> it's just like you just got like he just hired like what what is it like three different teams to sort of like just come in one after another, you know? Yeah, because if he did five hours a day. He split the difference and said five hours a day to do that 3,000 hours would take 600 days. Mm. You can't do it in that time, so he has to like 
he has to do like 12 hour days or whatever or even more it's extraordinary um yeah i haven't looked at his filmography in that period i can't imagine there's an awful lot else going on at that time it's just like i just don't know i just don't know how what he does he's just like <laughs> he's just a machine there's no way for it you know given the fact that he already flies as well and and things like that it's just it's just insane uh, and and even throwing like a little bit of aspect of like, you know, did he think about? Or do, does Ethan know how to fly a helicopter, or or does he not know how to fly a helicopter? So you have this like little line of dialogue where he's just kind of like, all right, so where are we? Okay, okay, well, that's 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 airspeed or or something. That's other. right. Looking at the dials, I've yeah. flown. You get the impression he's flown something. Yeah. So he looks at it and goes, "Yeah, this is familiar." Um, the first guy he bumps into looks like Henry Cavill. It's his stunt double. Yeah. I did think that. I did think that. I thought, That'll oh, be why. Cool. <laughs> it's like it's like in uh, Die Another Day where Bond turns up wearing exactly the same thing as the Diamond guy, and it's like yeah. that's convenient, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got an awful lot to say about this sequence, you know, other than when they do eventually crash and land and everything, that fight's fairly brutal. Yeah, they they, they said like this came up with a random idea of like, oh, what if we made um, Cavill a monster? at the end so they came up with the yeah, idea of like disfiguring. Oh, yeah the studio had said at the outset can we have that this is typical studio looking at like data of some description they said can we have him disfigured they, they actually said can we have a disfigured villain they they had some examples may have i doubt it would go back to bond that's too long ago but they would you know they had examples where they were like audiences will respond to that and they actually ended up not wanting to do that, but said, well, actually, we like the idea of doing it at the end. He turns really monstrous. Um, and also, they, they were talking about rock climbing, but they were determined that it didn't look like two. Yeah. Because they said that rock climbing is probably the iconic bit of that film. So he said, we, we can't have it look like that. And it just the way the whole scene is... He said, firstly, it's a very different rock anyway. It looks totally different. And also, the things are that are going on he's not free climbing in the same way he said the other thing the stakes is are different he said in that ethan was only risking himself it was extreme sport yeah he said but this is obviously the world at risk or that part of the world yeah uh, everything's on the line here and it and it's it, it just i know it's sort of like traditionally it cuts to the wire because it was a really good aspect of the team going in blind like has ethan got there we don't know. Well, we might as well just, we might as well just cut but it. But it's trust, and again, yeah. it's a, I wouldn't call it twee, but it, I mean, it's a bit. It's not even cliched, but it's a bit. It's kind of a predictable trope, but it just it does sell this growing team that we've had mm. since part four. That no, he'll figure it. He said he'll figure it. He always does what he says. It's like at the start where he says, "You'll be fine, Benji. I'll protect you," <laughs> yeah. and it's like, "How will you protect me?" And it's like, we know he will. A, it's a Mission Impossible film. It's unlikely that Ethan will ever be proved that wrong. But, you know, later on, he says it to Ilsa, and it's like, well, you know, I'm, how are you going to protect I'm, I'm working on it. Yeah. That We know they'll figure it. Um, so, yeah, they get the better of Lane in that shack. So you've got um, you've got Benji and Ilsa cutting the, the mm-hmm. wires with guidance from Luther, repeating what he's just gone through with Julia. But when they get to the key point, they're arguing over what to go on, and they go on one. Mm. And Ethan at fifteen, when it's when the count's at fifteen, he's a good ten yards away still, having to climb up. 
maybe ah, a bit yeah. less than that. But yeah, he gets there in time, and you get that flash of white, like it's gone off. And he said, "Sunrise." He said, "They said, why did you? Why did you decide to do that?" He said, um, "I couldn't make it. I couldn't make Ethan reaching for the device look cinematic." He said, "I just couldn't show that in a way that looked any good." So yeah, working it out as you go. Yeah, because it has a nice sort of element where he's just—it's got it in between his teeth, and he just spits it out at the end. Yeah, it just kind of works better, I think. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And uh, of course, then he's found an I, hour I, later. I, I, I did miss. I did. I did miss uh, him saying "mission accomplished." <laughs> <laughs> You've been missioned. <laughs> yeah, you know when you've been missioned. Mission not so impossible. <laughs> <laughs> mission not difficult. Yeah. Mission easy. Mission doable. Mission possible. <laughs> yeah, mission possible. There we go. <laughs> yeah, but he looks well beaten up here. Yeah. And again, it's the not being precious about age because he's got some growth on his face as well that's white or grey anyway, or salt and pepper at best. Mm. Um, it's dropped into dialogue later. He's found an hour later. He would have died from exposure not that long afterwards. Yeah. And he's got broken ribs and all the rest of it. So the next thing we see is he's in a hospital bed. Even though uh, he's determined not to see him end up in bed at the end. <laughs> even yeah, no, they tried to avoid that. And when he was shown the cut, Tom just went, "Yeah, all right." Yeah, it's, it's got to be done. <laughs> yeah, um, they even flew the White Widow out for that scene just to stand right next to Angela Bassett and decided not to use it. So she's flown all the way to New Zealand just to stand there, and it didn't get used. But well, of course, we was got it was her... it in New Zealand or I thought I was in London? at night the oh I don't know the, no the, they did fly her out to New Zealand whether it was standing next to Angela oh Bassett. okay because oh, they, they, they did film something where like yeah. it was at night where they meet up with Angela Bassett and they do a, like a oh, they... all that bit in the car is, is yeah. into cut yeah yeah but no they did fly her out there and didn't use her in the end yeah um, the bit where um, she walks in uh, Julia walks in to see him and Ilsa whispers in her ear that's improvised mm. um, and he, he, he said he didn't know what she'd said and didn't ask Macquarie he said, but by the time he did the second interview he said I, I know what it is now and you're better off not knowing so <laughs> it, but it, it played yeah. it's probably like great <laughs> great <laughs> crazy <Nice. laughs> Um, yeah. Or probably, hey. <laughs> Is he any good? <laughs> uh, worth a crack. Um, Score out of ten, was it? Like... it? It plays like consent, though, doesn't it? It plays like, you know. Yeah. You've thank you for everything, you know, that sort of thing. Or I've got him from here, that sort of thing. He's um, mine now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's mine. You can fuck off, Mr. <laughs> American. Mine, <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. We'll compare, but we'll meet up next year and compare box office grosses. <laughs> See who does better. Now piss off. Jog on. But no, it plays really well in the film as a choice. It just plays like the passing of the baton. And a, yeah. a strong hint at the end of this film that there is a possible way to integrate that life with some kind of relationship mm. if it's Ilsa yeah because Ilsa is that life isn't it so Ilsa is that life he doesn't have to choose 
you know. So I, I like the way the film ends. Ends on a strange line, you know. Don't make me laugh. Yeah. yeah. Um, apparently the film ran out. You see a tiny, tiny little flash as it goes to the credits. And he says, no one will notice because we're going to credits anyway and like the fuse and so on. But the film ran out. They must have shot this yeah. bit of film. They must have shot this film on film. I, I didn't know that, but anyway. Yeah, yeah it's quite so interesting. That... I remember seeing that thinking, oh, what was that? And I thought, oh, maybe it was something to do with the, the fuse. But yeah. yeah, sort of reading up on it, they're like, oh, yeah. there's the film running out. I've never noticed it again today and I forgot to look for that bit. I didn't notice. So, yeah. Anyway, final thoughts from me. I, I, can't, I couldn't have been more pleased at the end of this film. I just thought, that's perfect. You've dealt with all the emotional bits that hang from previous films. You've delivered action the equal of anything in the series. And you've stitched it together in a better story, in a very propulsive story. It's a bit like four that way, but there's more action in this. Than That's there a good is word. Um, so, yeah, the bar is now very, very high, both for this series and for any other sort of family-friendly action series that follows. They're, they're going to have a good, have to have, go very, very well to sort of match this. So that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, definitely can't really say much more than that. I think this is probably one of, not just one of the best action films of 2018, 2017, 2018 season. Um, dare I say it of all time? Um, yeah, it's, just, it's fantastic, really. Um, it's certainly, for me, the best film in the series. Superb. Chris? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think, um, you know, I think I said this at the top of the show, um, I, I, I love it. I, I think it's one of the um, the best action films we, we've had recently. It just has that absolute urgency and pace to it. Um, it's great to see Cavill. Um, Cavill actually suits being being a villain. I mean, I, like the, the, the certain like looks he has, like even as like Superman when he supposedly goes dark, and you can see, yeah, you can you can do that. You, you know, you can do like you know Superman gone bad, even though it's probably not done that well in Justice League. But um, you know, you know, you can't not Cavill for doing that. Um, I, I distrust the the choice to introduce a Superman and go that way, but you can do it. Yeah. Or even like hypothetically, as a kind of like you know, like kind of like a what if kind of uh, dream sequence almost, or something like that. But anyway, um, yeah, you could. Yeah, this is this is just great. The action is just consistently great. As you say, as, as you say Dave, it just does not stop, and there's a complete. You, you feel, it feels like a ride. I think you know when they say, "Oh, how do we top that?" It's like, well. You don't top that. You just try something new. You just carry on. You know. You you know. You can't top the, um, you know, the uh, the uh, the Dubai scene and four. Uh, so you just go for something different. You you know. You go for more emotional states next time around, or you 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 go for just a different. Um, what, what's the word? A different vibe. Like this is this is just like relentless. So rather than having like one standout scene, or I'll have like three. St- Three huge set sequence. You have like a, a basically a roller coaster ride that just does not stop. Also, this also is probably the best in terms of plot as well, which I think is to its credit when he, when he marries with action. Uh, I think we, what we see in Cruise and Macquarie is just pr- is probably um, a partnership that we'll probably look back on in, in in cinema in a few years. I think definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, the thing I've been thinking, though, Chris, is... Don't fuck all about it. No, quite the opposite. I know absolutely everything about this film, but I think five random facts from IMDb facts might help me. 
<laughs> you think that's what I'm we're missing? Dave, I've gone elsewhere, unfortunately, for my facts this time. Where have you gone? Uh, my the... brain. Ah. And also Collider.com. Collider? Good old yeah. Collider. I found out nothing about the film from that site. Then I realised it was all like kitchen utensils. Then I realised I was I was at colander.com. That was colander.com. Yeah. <laughs> I bet that was a drain. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting all, for all to set that one up and you can knock it down. <laughs> no, I've got some really random facts. Um, yeah, so as a teenager... Wait, wait, you got them up your sieve. Oh, sorry. Up my sieve, yeah, up my sieve. <laughs> down the drain, they went down the drain. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, the continue. teenager composer. Um, you know, Chris is desperately thinking of kitchen utensils. <laughs> There's another one. He's going to put a fork in he's that. Think, he's thinking, what's that mashing thing called? Um, <laughs> God, God. Don't mash up the. <laughs> I've got a sieve. I've got a sieve brain, so I better not forget the facts. Oh, we don't want to fault this one out, do we? No, we don't. <laughs> kitchen facts. Oh dear. We'll be spooning moments after. Well, I was going to say, I'll have to spoon feed them to you. Hopefully I can blend them together. Yes. So yeah, as a teenager, composer Lauren Buff uh, lived in North West Scotland um, where the TV show Hamish Macbeth <laughs> was made um, and used to sort of cook and make food for the cast and crew. So this is kind of in a way in a bond connection as well. Um, not really a fun fact. This is obviously the longest film in the series so far, 147 minutes. Um, even longer, The Ghost Protocol, which is 132 minutes. Um Obviously, we talked about the helicopter stunt at the end. Um, yeah, Tom Cruise got his license in all of 12 days. Um, and yeah, it took over a year, a year and a half to train for it, which is a bit insane. We haven't spoken about, obviously, The Crown. There's various royal connections to this film as well. Um, oh, I forgot his name. Jonathan, what's his face? Who was in the previous film? Um, was it? Um, BBC series Tudors, obviously along with Henry Cavill as well, um, and obviously here Vanessa Kirby played Princess Margaret in The Crown. I'm sure uh, in that film was... Henry Cavill had that woman from from uh, from Things to Do in Denver where you're dead. The one where my friend went in the cinema. It's all, it's all, <laughs> oh. connect, it's, it's all connected, folks. Gabrielle Anwar. Yeah, That's she was. The I felt I felt bad for anybody using that seat afterwards. <laughs> I have to give it a wipe. But no, Tom Cruise was so impressed with seeing Vanessa Kirby in the, in the crown and thought, ah, she's the one that I want. Um, and obviously we've spoken about this before in the in the, uh, in the show as well for the halo jump. Um, so when Craig O'Brien used a red weapon camera, very exciting, with the IMAX lens um, attached to his helmet and it was the first time... On, on his on his login on his login that conjured up quite the image no so the shot beads. was flop the shot <laughs> was, the, the, shot, words. the shot was flopping around all over the place well that's kind of you mean he had, on his head you know the top one uh, literally attached to his neck <laughs> but that that type of camera had never been used before in a free fall stunt which I think is pretty fun yeah and that's my do 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 random facts. Yeah. Cold from my brain. Yeah. So, um, all, all aspiring uh, cameramen out there, practice with uh, with a camera <laughs> on your helmet. On my body part. <laughs> Sorry, that I found that far. I found that you far. You laugh so much, you snorted. I found <laughs> that far funnier than it actually was. 
Also, you caught your snorting. Yeah, well. Alright, carry on. Uh, I have another fun fact. Um, oh, Rebecca Corner. Oh, yeah, Fruity Corner. Um, well, uh, Rebecca Ferguson was actually, was actually pregnant during the film. She was seven months pregnant yes, she after was. the break. Yeah, and you so see her from the waist up. So, uh, so in that scene where she does that um, swinging move with her leg on, on one of the guys in that uh, little uh, fight in, uh, in Paris, um, she had to have a sit bucket on hand <laughs> just, in ca- just in case she, um, she, she threw up on set. Oh, she's quite happy to That's fun, folks. sit back and let Tom Cruise do the crazy, <laughs> crazy stunts. No fruity corner. Well, I can't, I can't, I can't think of any fruit. I mean, we've it. had something about the cameraman's helmet. What about his plums? <laughs> oh, that's pretty. Yeah, you don't really get much of a five a day with this film, unfortunately. Disappointing. <laughs> well, we know where we want seven and eight to go then. More fruit. <laughs> yes, clearly. More fruit, please. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps they could do a sponsorship deal with like Gold Delicious. You can eat an apple while he's on the bike. <laughs> <laughs> Man from Del Monte, he say more please. Or about riding the bike while trying to peel uh, an orange. <laughs> I bet you Tom Cruise could do it. Now that is Mission Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bet you he could do it. Yeah. He'll find he, a way. He lands off a halo jump and it's like something seems missing something. Well. Oh, just peel an orange. La, la, la. <laughs> yeah, peel an orange on the way down. Peel a grape. Yeah. Try not to get it on that bloke's helmet. Try not to get your juice on that bloke's helmet. <laughs> or we could slice the fugu fish in a way that it won't be deadly. Yeah. Do something, you know, very challenging. Yeah. Or something quite specialised that you have to do well. Whilst doing an insane stunt. <laughs> you could, they could have a game of Connect 4 on the way down. <laughs> Battleship. You suck my bullshit, eh? <laughs> you can find me at the Passing Kid 1976 <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, you can find uh, the podcast at uk, where you can also find all the all our podcasts at uh, Spotify, uh, Apple I- iPod, Google I- I- iPod. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Apple iPod? Company, Apple and Google Go- together. Go- Google Apple, Zoom? A- Apple Podcasts, Google. <laughs> <laughs> Google Zoom. iTunes, Stitcher, Yeah. Podbean. Well, iTunes is not a thing Apple anymore. Spotify. iTunes is not really a thing, and it's an Apple, um, it's Apple iPod, isn't it? Well, iPod. it's going to be. I've still got iTunes on my PC. Yeah, I'm still on iTunes. Ooh. I've just upgraded my iPod to, I think, third generation Nano to like seventh generation Nano. <laughs> so I'm still behind the times. <clears throat> just let so. Careful, our audience is just going to feel so out of step with you know our, <laughs> our technological knowledge and stuff i still have a physical device yeah i don't trust she's my phone to do it. she's replacing her beads next week <laughs> <laughs> we won't it worry beads which are now ground down to the size of tempe pieces yeah and they don't make the music anymore we just hear us, ear, ear, ear. yeah um vanessa kirby's going to be in uh hobson shaw yes, yes. Provides a nice through line for us, and and that's um, check that's going to be out soon as well. Oh yes, looking forward to that. Oh, oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's not me excited for Vesper Kirby. That's just me excited to see a bit of you know Dwayne and you Jason. Excited. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm just I'm just I'm excited for like two muscly bold men. 
Yeah. Yeah. They don't need a lot of sort of hair and makeup on that film. <laughs> Big, muscly, gruffly sounded Olympic. bold men. Yeah. That said, the baby oil budgets. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> baby oil budget in that film. Yeah. Which which is it? The, um, I think it's one of the most recent. I think it's it's like the latest one or the next book one. Um, where he basically like sweats his way through it. I remember sitting at the cinema. I'm thinking he just looks dripping in a sweat all the way. On through. the um on the um honest trailers for Fast Five. They drop out all the sound, and as he's walking along, they've got <laughs> noises <laughs> for all the oil. Speak, speak, speak. Yeah. Where else Thank can you. you find us, Becca? Yes, and yes, you can find us obviously on Twitter at Expect Us Talk, and also the same on Facebook and on YouTube. Do Expect Us Talk, and if you want to drop us an email, Expect Us Talk at gmail.com. I don't want to be done with this series, damn it! It's of such high quality. So where can we go next? Well, you're in luck. Great. Twitter fans, we ran a poll. I'm about to reveal the results. So yes, anyway, the vote was between... Actually, no. A joint last place, Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation with 17%. At number two, Fallout with 31%. But with a whopping 34% of the vote... Our next commentary, and it means that do you expect to talk or return with a commentary of Mission Impossible 2? <laughs>